Madonna smooches Britney and Christina as still more problematic directors, and Bruce Campbell takes a big swing at TV. This week on 30-20-10. Hello everyone and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a wonderful Splendorous little pop culture journey across three decades, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Uh, see what changed. See what hasn't changed. See where you were, where you've been, and maybe even where you're going. You're not going to see the last one, but uh, <laughs> not from 10 years. Uh, but anyway, hi. Welcome to the show, uh, 30, 20, 10. I'm one of yours, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, now with 30% less dead Peter Sellers footage. <laughs> I know where this is going. And I'm J.R. Rawls, and after 10,000 years, I'm free! It's time to conquer Earth! Oof, man, I was watching a Mothra movie. I made that reference like 90 times. I feel almost racist. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to 302010. Want to thank right off the bat our patrons, patreon.com slash laser time. Got a ton of great stuff for you there. New stuff coming all the time. Uh, check it out. Five bucks all we ask. Hundreds of podcasts, videos, exclusive commentaries. Please hit it up. We could use your help now. Our website is having some trouble. Uh, anyway, moving on to 302010. Uh, a journey across three decades, 1993, 2003, and 2013, August 25th through the 31st. That is the window that we will be covering. So sit in that little chair and open up three portals into the past. And let's begin as we always do in 1993, August 25th through the 31st. I don't know how you count this, but... Uh, but a little bit of news to bring you into what's happening now. The 150 millionth visitor to the Eiffel Tower. How do you calculate that? Uh, it was really one of the first modern tourist attractions. It's you know, true. It was built in the modern age, and it was designed to be this grand structure that people would come from all over to visit, and they have, you know, uh, you can see a photo of Hitler posing next to the Eiffel Tower. It's, you know, it, I'm not, I'm not here gets, to shit on the Eiffel Tower. I'm really not. But it is yeah. like a really ancient world record that somehow came synonymous with the landscape of the entire city. Not unlike a big Ferris wheel in London. Paris is such a weird city because yeah. there's Paris land, the uh, tourist attractions like the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre that people from all over the world come to visit. And there's Paris, the city. You know, yeah. home of millions of millions of people just living their life, going, "Ugh, Ugh stupid tourist. Americans!" Oh, get these Americans out of my way! I'm yeah. trying to have an affair. Too yeah. <laughs> smoking. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, writer Guy de Maupassant, and uh, I love his attitude to the Eiffel Tower. That he went there for lunch every single day, not because he loved it, but because he said it's the only spot in Paris where I don't have to look at the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> and I also mean that because I know people who have visited the Eiffel Tower and balked at the wait to go into it. So, yeah. so it's probably more or less. Are they counting tickets? Is there, has there been a little guy with a clicker in his hand there since the 1800s? I don't know. Mm. I'll take their word for it. It doesn't matter to me. But, uh, man, we need to build a, more meaningless structures here. Have like, Why is it just St. Louis? Where, where's... Where? Yeah. Why is it Legoland making a giant tower <laughs> that, that eats up the skyline? Do that, uh, and I can pose next to it. Anyway, moving on to the movies of 1993, because 
Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, I almost hate to do this to you people because there is a lot. The Fugitive is still number at the box office. So that's fine. Deservedly so. Yeah, especially no this movie week. we're going to talk about is worth watching instead of watching The Fugitive in theaters for the second time. Jesus. Yeah. Very well said. <gasps> yes. It's crap. It, it, it's a crap week full of crap. Some of it's fun crap, but it's, it's kind of crap. I mean, up first we have like the the best movie of the week, basically, because it's foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bride with Right Hair with uh, Bridget Lin and Leslie Chung, Francis Ng. Um, badass Ronnie Yu Wuxia epic, super bright, colorful, just incredible visuals, fighting, swearing revenge, more fighting. Everyone's going to Wudan and fighting each other. Bride with White Hair fucking rules. Bride with white hair. That is. Wish I would have watched it instead of the many, everything, many other films I watched this week. Did I? Listeners? Yeah. Go ahead. No, I, I was gonna. I think you're about to say it. Uh, listeners, in my one and three quarters year on thirty twenty ten, I've stopped maybe three or four movies <laughs> before I've reached the finish. This week combined. I have beaten that record. Okay. <laughs> this week, I have just given up watching these movies more than every other week in my 30 2010 history combined. So I'll be starting a counter for you. Every time I gave up on the movie, I'll tell you the number. You know, that's fair. I feel a little unfair even putting Bride with White Hair here because we didn't get to see this in the States until I think like 2001. That's mm. some bullshit. This, yes. Ron, check out Ronnie Yu's oeuvre if oh. you like... Uh, you know, classical Hong Kong action. How far we've come, if there is a foreign movie tearing up the charts, you'll watch streaming services fall over themselves to obtain it and release it in far less than a year. We don't have to deal with that anymore. How about that? This movie is famous for the wrong reasons. Yes. Um, Yes. Sandra Bullock, Dermot Mulroney, River Phoenix, Amantha Mathis, in This Thing Called Love, directed by whom, Diana? Peter Bogdanovich. Peter Bogdanovich. All right. And, yeah, we got uh, two movies that are someone's last movie uh, here yeah. in a row. This is River Phoenix's last movie. So we'll talk about him again when we get to Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it's so unfair, and it fucking sucks. And I love seeing how many critics... This, this went into a small release now. It was supposed to go wider in the fall. And then River Phoenix died... And they decided not to because some critics who saw it then were like, this colors the whole movie. I keep thinking about how we just lost this guy and he's so full of promise and and what's supposed to be sort of like a sweet romantic relationship just feels tragic now because it's about uh, people who want to be country songwriters and trying to make it in Nashville. And, you know, then there's love triangles and people trying and failing and making friends. And and it's supposed to be, you know, light, cute, fun. Whatever. I like all these people involved. I mean, I've seen it. It's just like my history with this movie, and I'll probably say this a lot. I'm a full movie obsessed now, and a year from now, I'll illegally hook up HBO in my parents' home. And I had to dodge this every afternoon, like the fucking Matrix. <laughs> like, I don't want to fucking watch this again, HBO. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I've, I've just seen so many bits and pieces of it. Like, hurry and be over the thing called this thing called love or whatever. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's it's fine. And honestly, fine is as good as we're getting this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, because the next movie is 
marred oh. for entirely different reasons. Uh, file this under wrong? Would you file it under wrong, Nyaner? Yes. And... I would file... Well, no, they made one very smart choice. Yeah. And then they made every other decision wrong. So this is the second attempt at rebooting the Pink Panther. And that's the, I didn't bother to watch this because like uh -huh. I finally I went in a box and dug out I bought at Goodwill of all the Pink Panther movies. This one is not included despite nowhere near the uh problems putting it on DVD that uh was it Trial Curse what, Trial had. Yeah. Uh, right. So this is this is the ninth and final of the original run of Pink Panther movies, Son of the Pink Panther. Now, the previous one to this was 10 years before, and that was the first attempt at rebooting where we have someone else doing the Clouseau stuff, but everyone else is mostly the same. That That's Curse. Or, yeah, Curse. curse. Trail of the Pink Panther before that. Trail of the Pink Panther, not trial. <laughs> P P Peter Sellers was already dead, and they pretend he's still in the movie by using <laughs> clips that they had cut from other movies. They Livia Sopranoed it. They they did <laughs> extremely yes. But that yes. that's that's the shocking thing about it is because by the time I'm alive and paying attention to movies, I don't really have any context for how popular the how popular does a movie have to be where you try and assemble a theatrically released film off of the bits and bobs you shaved off of everything. I can understand like a deleted scene or like a, a special feature on a dvd but like to, the balls to theatrically release that uh, against the actor's will by the way like he he did not agree to star in that movie yeah so they did that then they tried to reboot with ted Wass as like an american investigator and now 10 years have gone by we're going to try that one more time now here's the one thing they did right roberto benini and i find i find this incredible because my I think, like most people, Roberto Benigni sort of came out of nowhere with Life is Beautiful, but as my little film self-education, like, he is the star of Down by Law. How did Jim Jarmusch, like, so Jim Jarmusch puts him in a starring role of his movie, and then so does Blake Edwards in his, his what would be his final film, and Henry Mancini, thank God, otherwise it would have been the Tom and Jerry movie from a few weeks ago. <laughs> uh, it's both of their final films, and yeah. Roberto Benigni... That's a huge introduction for a, a yes. an internationally unknown person. He was a renowned physical Italian comedian, but I I bet you didn't hear about him, listener, because I know I didn't. I didn't hear about him until years later with Life is Beautiful. Same. So they, they tried, and it's great because he does that style of physical comedy very well. And they they had... They, they actually had in their back pocket Tim Curry in case yeah. they thought Benini wouldn't work out, yeah. which is like, that's an interesting version. And like previously they talked to Rowan Atkinson because obviously Kevin physical Klein. comedy Ooh. is yeah. great. And Kevin and Klein they talked mm -hmm. to. Yeah, there's they've been trying over and over and over to reboot. And I think the one thing they did right was, yeah, Roberto Benini, he really, really is good at that sort of awkward physical comedy. The bad thing is everything else yeah. in this film is so colossally unfunny. And right. trying to tie it in with the original Peter Sellers movie. So you have barely alive cast members like Herbert Love and Claudia Cardinale <laughs> back from this, the movie from 30 years ago at this point, from the 63 movie. These poor, poor people being trotted out again it's like yeah, just make a regular old and now this guy is 
you know, make it a spinoff. Do some, don't relate it. To, oh, so, so bad. Diana, I have no connection to the Pink Panther series yeah. other than watching it as a young kid and being disappointed when the cartoon segments start uh, stopped. Thank you. Right. I did want to talk about that briefly because <laughs> it's 1993 and I'm seeing movies and then walking in for to, for free to other movies. This title sequence blew my fucking head off. I'm like, I have no idea what this is. I love the Pink Panther cartoons. This Bobby McFerrin opening is amazing. I can't wait. And I, as a 13 year old kid, I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Holy shit. Is that, I mean, pink Panther as a cartoon character may not have uh, much of a standing in the current zeitgeist other than the leading insulation salesman. I've, I've, <laughs> but like for kids, my age, we had no context that this is like a, a nine movie series we just nope. knew the cartoon I character. I thought of them as the cartoon, 100%. That's based off Our- the intro sequences to these movies. That's incredible. I know. It's so weird. It's a, a, a long-running animated series based on an intro sequence. Yeah. It's, it's a, like a if we, had, we still had cartoons starring <laughs> the guys from the City Slickers opening or the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids <laughs> opening. Or, it's Actually, incredible. both of those would be awesome. I'd totally would. watch those. So. I, I deeply miss animated credit openings. Oh, so... Diana, sell me uh-huh. on the original Pink Panther series. Why should I go back and watch it? Okay, well, I think you should watch the first two, and then you can watch bits and pieces of the rest of them, where they all have mm-hmm. a set piece that's very fun. But a lot of times the movie doesn't hold together, and they decline along as you go along. The first Pink Panther movie is not a, really a Clouseau movie. It is sort of a joint a heist movie. It just happens to have this character that's a lot of fun. He becomes the breakout character. Shot in the Dark is the second one. Um, and that's just a lot of fun. It, it is. It, uh, if you it, like Knives Out, if you like movies where it's like one of these people is a killer, that's kind of a fun parody of that sort of thing. So there you go. Um, then there's kind of a hiatus and then they come back. They made they, two movies in one year. The first two movies yeah. of the same year. Yeah, then they have, uh, you know, they, they all have these, like, ridiculous Peter Sellers set pieces where there's, like, 80,000 things going on and he has to deal with them. And they are just co- comedy ballets. The plots of the movies generally don't matter. <laughs> that's, that's about it. But they're fun. They're generally fun. Except for those these last three, which are hard to watch because they are just riding the corpse of your good memories. And a literal corpse. It's pretty incredible. In terms of franchises that are more popular than us than with kids, this is a movie series from the 60s that they're, tr- they're, they're trying to keep relevant into the 80s and 90s. Uh, that's it's pretty... And I do... I, I have to point as a cartoon fan, if you've seen the, the all the Pink Panthers cartoons, and I have, for some reason, both of their DVD box sets are cushy, like pillowy. I don't know why. Um, Inspector Clouseau is the guy who chases wordlessly pink panther he's a cartoon character that my generation only knew peter sellers character as this silent cartoon foil to the pink panther so weird yeah and then there's also the ones with the the little detective guy mm-hmm. and then there's ant and ant eater they were sort of like all ant the yardvark or yeah ant the yardvark the first feeling to patty's yes all those the original yeah. Gosh, you are tickling memories that are like 40 years old yeah. at this point. I I know. It's one of those things. I was a little kid. I remember I really liked Ant and the Yardvark. It would run on TV. And then I was like 
in like the late 90s, I was like in Rome and I saw an Aardvark Pez dispenser and I about pissed my pants. I was like, <laughs> it wasn't a hallucination. Nope. The Italians know. Oh, my God. It's just totally gone. I own it on Blu-ray, by the way, and the Aardvark. And then funnily enough, Marvel would buy that animation studio and that became Marvel <laughs> Animation Studio. Anyway. Anyway, no. Son of the Pink Panther. No. Do not. No. Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> it, it's way too broad. Like yeah. from the clips I watched of this and, and Benini isn't at fault, but I can't help but wonder if they're tailoring it to what he does. I I don't know. I, I'm like Blake Edwards is such an amazing and fascinating career all over the place, but he made some really bad decisions and some real trash here and there. Did and he, did he have money problems? Like why was he making I don't I don't know. He's married to Julie fucking Andrews. Right. I think they're doing okay. <laughs> yeah, they should be doing all right. Because I mean he does like he doesn't die. He just like, I am not making movies after this at all, ever okay. again. And yeah. and stays alive for another like decade or so. Son of the Pink Panther, it's um yeah, it is. It is a level of bad that you do just sort of hold your like. Was did everyone have like a brain injury while they were working on this, or like, did was the footage stolen and edited in an insane asylum? Like, why? I, I find it. I they find think it. This was funny. I find it hard to imagine that studios might have been all over their ass for the Pink Panther, but it hasn't really ever gone away as far as a film franchise. Steve Martin would reboot it later, and the first of those was very successful. I think partially because yeah. of Steve Martin, but uh, yeah. but yeah, like I I, I I wonder if it's just a bunch of old people. Like, here's a giant paycheck. You can ignore it if you want, but how many of these do you have left? Uh, it's it's uh, kind of sad, and and equally sad to me. Patrick Swayze was a household name in for me before I was really watching movies, and by the time I started, he was on his decline, mm. and. Starting it's all downhill after Roadhouse. Yeah, you just can't. Yeah, <laughs> love Point Break, but because I, I fell in love with Point Break and like, yeah, I'll watch anything Swayze's in, which brought me on video to Brian Bonzel, Sabrina Lloyd, Halle Berry, Patrick Swayze, Fatherhood, mm. uh, Fatherhood. Because Father. there's this, there's a space there because mm -hmm. he's a father and he's a hood, <laughs> he's a convict. He's a one. <laughs> That's our counter, listeners. This is the first one. Watched a half an hour of it, and I was just like, nope, there is no possible way this movie can prove in the next hour that it's worth my time yep. at all. Yep. This is just the laziest, boringest, high-concept comedy, in air quotes, by the way, that I've seen in a long, long time. I don't think I laughed once in the first half yeah. hour. Not even like a... Huh. It, it feels like a <laughs> low-level hoods who aren't drug addicts is, is a great premise oh, oh, for a family the, comedy. The movie is very clear to tell you, hey, hey, moviegoers, he only stole from other criminals. So, yeah. so, so don't think about this too much, okay? Yeah. Yeah, we still want to, we still want this to air on daytime television. It is, it, but it's the only other place I've seen that adorable woman from Sports Night, Sabrina Lloyd. Uh, Father Fatherhood not recommended. However, the next film. <laughs> oh my God, this sounds mental. Uh, I have to pronounce these: Jeffrey Lewis, Stacey Travis, and Mark DeCascos. Yeah, I think I got it. Yeah, only you the did strong. it. 
Only the Strong seems to only be the notable because it is a martial arts film about Capoeira. Yeah, it all begins with a Jenga, baby. I saw this a ton for some reason. <laughs> and uh, yeah, again, midday screenings on HBO, a kid-friendly martial <laughs> arts movie that is kind of, at, I, I want to say America's introduction, but it's definitely my introduction to Capoeira. And so it's like, yeah, it's half dancing, half uh, karate it's it's awesome <laughs> it's as yeah. far as b movies so, yeah, go it's brazilian dance fighting uh the guy's an expert in brazilian dance fighting and then like there's a school in trouble and he has to teach the kids brazilian dance fighting and that'll fix their problem so it's stand and deliver a bunch of capoeira kicks yeah and then like the bad guy is also a capoeira master and so they're gonna fight now <sighs> Warring tribes, two sides of the same coin. You can use capoeira for evil. Just I encourage you not to. And if you do, uh, do it. Keep it to Twitter or X. Apologies. Uh, but only the strong. It's not. I don't know that I'd, I'd recommend it, but it has like a real surf ninja's place in my heart. I've seen it a lot. And most people, when you mention capoeira, think of this. My age think of this movie. Um, pretty cool. Uh, the, I think of Bob's Burgers. Yeah, they want to take capoeira, and so, yeah, capoeira apparently just means shaking your butt and going, "Ooh, ah, ah ooh, Brazil, uh, ooh, Brazil." I think the movie I ended up seeing the most, and possibly with the most critical acclaim this week. Let's see how it holds up now. Uh, Gabby Hoffman, Margaret Witten, Nick Stahl, uh, baby Mel, Nick Stahl, baby Nick Stahl, and Mel Gibson in *The Man Without a Face*. Critics call The Man Without a Face a major triumph. Gibson shines as an actor and director. Have a good look. Get it over with. Heartwarming and rewarding. Mel Gibson, The Man Without a Face, rated PG-13, now playing at a theater near you. Uh, uh, and is, is this the first movie directed by Mel Gibson? His directorial It is, review. which is a, a smart move, honestly, for, for any first-time director to try to do something smaller scale, you know, personal story, that kind of thing. And yeah. And everyone clocked right away. Like, Oh shit. He's actually really good at that. Yeah. And he is, it's so unfair, but yeah, he's a really, really good director. Yeah. He's a competent, Mel Gibson is a anti-Semite misogynist, but a competent director. Yep. He's good. But separate from the artist. Yeah. Always. But, but I I do like in, in my young brain, I guess I hadn't seen anything like The Mask yet. Like, this is one of those movies that taught little me a little empathy because I didn't know anybody this disfigured. And I just remember really feeling bad. And I watched this every time it was on, all the time. It's it's a pretty pleasant movie. And mm-hmm. yeah, he plays a teacher who was in a terrible car accident. Half his face is right disfigured. He's sort of the town outcast doesn't want to talk to anyone and then this little kid you know and he bond and he teaches them about life and getting into a good school and caring about other people and they this is based on a book which they downplayed very strongly that they kind of have a inappropriate relationship yeah okay yeah i did want to talk about that because we have to because they bring it it becomes a part of the movie and it's like oh no he couldn't possibly that's a terrible thing to say about a person but it's like the source material sounds like oh yeah oh so i've obviously never read the source material but in this film looking at it from the text we see 
Yeah. It's a yikes, listeners. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a moment where, as a parent, I'm like, get away from that man. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> no, that is not worth risking it. Get away from him. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we're, we're definitely meant to sympathize with the Mel Gibson character in this film. And they try to make it, I think, like nothing happened. But you can kind of be like... Well, that's what you said. There's room for interpretation. There's room for interpretation. And and now that we all forcibly have grooming on the brain, it might as well be a montage of this film. Actually, yeah. You can make a very dark fan edit of this film, Mm -hmm. How to Groom a Boy. Yeah. And it's just cuts from this film. Absolutely. No, but you can do that with a lot of mentor stories. But the book is is a little more, I don't know, do they they outright say there's... I think they do. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the, like, that's not necessarily what it's about. And it, that, that bums me out because like, well, we, there are two good movies to be had there. One where you do show how grooming happens. And another one where the kid is warned about grooming. And it really is like, he does need a dad. He does need a mentor figure. He does learn empathy from, you know, this guy being disfigured. There, there should be another movie where they address, hey, these are the signs of grooming. And then we don't see them because everything's fine. Oh, yeah. Creepy. Yeah. I'm creeped out. Actually, I'm creeped out here. Remake it. Remake it, this film as either of those two movies. I mean, why not just make an original film not based on this, okay. this, this source material yeah. at yeah. that point? Yeah. So there's some things that, yeah, we will see differently now that we did not see then. But it, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's good. It's also a period film, mm-hmm. and I would yeah. really love to see like a statistical examination of childhood period films because, you know, I get a couple of my youth, but I feel like for every one movie set roughly in the time frame I grew up in, the boomers got like 40 yeah. set in their childhoods. I know. And the, the Gen Xers are, you know, in charge now. Mm-hmm. We should have more coming-of-age movies that take place, you know, the summer of 81. But Yeah, no. or It, uh, Chapter 1, is like the closest we've there, gotten. Yeah. Well, Stranger yeah. Things. Um, yeah, Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger Things. And I th- but I think that's also a part of it, just like there is such a technological leap, <laughs> far more so from the yeah. 50s to the 80s, no, 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 no. I will say the technological change from 1950 to 1980 is far larger. For one thing, the pill revolutionized uh, (laughs) every aspect of romance in American society, like literally so. And the telegram, let's not forget. I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough call because technology from, say, 1980 to now, the idea of being able to call someone and not get them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was an everyday occurrence. Mm -hmm. That was just the price of living back then. Yeah. Anyway, can we get to uh, the next movie that is... So wonderfully stupid. Yeah. Uh, we got Amanda yeah. Plummer, J.T. Walsh, uh, Bonnie Bedelia, Max Vincito, and Ed Harris in Needful Things. The devil is in Castle Rock. From the best-selling novel by Stephen King. I know a great deal about the past. He's a con man, Polly, or something worse. There have been two murders and an attempted suicide. <laughs> He's not a human being. 
Kill them all. Let God sort them out. Needful things. Rated R. Ah, uh, needful things. Oh, I oh. think this might be one of our first uses of the Bram Stoker's Dracula music in an ad. And oh. boy, howdy, is it not the last. Love that music. Mm. So, uh. listeners, I went the extra mile this week for you. Oh, I watched the three-hour version of this film. What? Oh, my God. Yeah. I think Why? it's better. Because, oh. okay. Okay. Growing up. Uh, I didn't see this in theaters, but a few years after it came out, I became a huge Stephen King fan. Mm-hmm. I set it as my goal to read every book he had ever written. And this was oh like in 1995. So it was more manageable back then. Uh, but like, mm-hmm. I think I got like 95% of the way there. And pre-internet, I got like a big book, like the big book of Stephen King. And it showed you how all his worlds were interconnected because he was really about the interconnected universe way before the MCU. Mm -hmm. And it was fascinating to me. And so I rented this and I was like, that was good. But the novel itself was designed to be the end of his Castle Rock series. Listeners, Castle Rock is a town where he set multiple novels. He had multiple things happen. Things were all interconnected with Castle Rock. And he was like, you know what? I'm at the Never mind. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I'm at the end of that phase of my career. I want to end it with a bang. So Stephen King being Stephen King, he writes this thick doorstopper of a novel, uh, has all these rich characters. And the movie, the original cut, cannot adapt that. It should be a uh, 10-episode miniseries. It should be like Lost, where every episode is like starting with the chaos where the town is destroyed and then flashing back to the person where we see them be corrupted by gaunt. I mean, I've seen, I've seen a billion director's cuts. They don't include 70 new minutes, like an entire extra Mm -hmm. hour. That is a lot to take away from a movie and expect your original vision to in any way be represented well. And And the movie was not well reviewed when it came out. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think it should be a movie is the problem. Mm. I think trying to compress it below two hours was a mistake. Three hours, even then, going off my memories of the book, they still cut out a lot, but you can absorb the atmosphere. This is meant to put you in a small town tearing itself apart. And that's part of Stephen King's talent wheel is to put you in a place. You know, mm. Derry, Maine from It is definitely a place. Mm-hmm. And Castle Rock is also a place that he just puts you in and lets you feel like you're living there. Hmm. Yeah, you don't, I don't think you yeah, have to be like just... a huge King fan to be vaguely familiar with like all these people and things in Castle Rock uh, at this point. Or, or just, or yeah. just the general idea. Like, I don't know anything about any specific people in Castle Rock, but the the general idea of Morris Claiborne and it, Shawshank. Yeah, yeah. The well, the Ed Harris yeah, character I... was in. Uh, a couple of previous Stephen King things like uh, uh, the no, Dead you really Zone. do is what I'm saying. Like um, even through osmosis, that's why they made that Hulu show castle rock. Cause that's where all of them, they were all living adjacent to it. Yeah. But it's not like you have to have watched those things and you'll no. appreciate this more. No, no, no. Yeah. Just, uh, but the, the, the general idea, it kind of reminds me of the twilight zone episode, uh, monsters are due on maple street. Yes. And the idea that it is about, a small town or everyone is just doing their thing and it just takes one little drop of paranoia mm-hmm. and they just start tearing their shit apart. Oh my gosh. I mean, 
but it's done by strangers is the thing. He doesn't have the mm -hmm. people who have a grudge attack the other people who have a grudge. He has people outside of their wheelhouse uh, sabotage them. So, like, yeah, I have a strong marriage. I do. But, like, if Leland Gaunt, the character, gave a stranger a key to my car to a, a stranger, and that stranger put a used condom uh -huh. in my car, <laughs> and then my wife just found it, I'd be like, I have no idea. I'd be like calling everyone who drove in my car. I gave a ride. I was like, what's going on here? And I'd explain, I have no idea. I really, it's, it's fine. And then, you know, they did it again mm. and again. I mean, how much could that wear away at someone's trust level if it's just a total stranger you have no connection to? I mean, you're never going to catch them. Yeah, so that, that's basically the, the plot of this is Max von Sydow rolls into town. He opens a store where things, oh, these it's called Needful Things, and these are useful things. They're the little things you definitely want, you feel an attachment to, and it's like he sells them for a very reasonable price plus a favor. And the favor is go pull a prank on that stranger. And it's because he is the devil that he knows that it's like, well, that guy is mad at his neighbor and so if you do that he's going to blame the neighbor and then the neighbor might retaliate and then ah, evil evil the devil quite the trickster i'm always confused he's by what the devil's evil. after uh, he just wants chaos he just wants people to corrupt their souls basically but i really thought stephen king did a great job at examining how people can latch on to material objects how we can just uh have this need to collect things and uh, so my wife and I are having a little money issues right now. So we're renting out our basement. As a result of that, I had to clean out my basement over the weekend. And oh, my God, do I just want to throw everything <laughs> I've ever collected in my life into a fire at this point. Oh There's boy. so many things. I'm just like, this is junk. This is crap. But there were times in my life when I was just like, I desperately need this. I'm going to, you know not buy food this week so I can buy this yeah, piece yeah I remember that plastic crap and that that person is dead to me listeners I am just like not yeah. a collector in the slightest anymore but I can remember being that guy yeah not there anymore either I get it and yeah. I I turned on this movie and bowed out and literally said to myself oh boy, I can't wait to enjoy Alfred Molina in this because of how well rooted. <laughs> My final days of having cable had taken hold of this story via Rick and Morty. Um, so if you have, if you do not know the plot, but watch Rick and Morty, especially the first season that was repeated over and over again for several years before there was a new episode. This aftershave made women want me, but it also made me impotent. A price for everything, Mr. Goldenfold. A price for everything. <laughs> oh my God! How can I not see this coming? My lust, my greed. I this serum should counteract the negative effects. Holy cats, ladies! Let's get out of here. I, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if it's a testament to people loving this story or Rick and Morty. For is this more? Is this more recognized than I thought it was? Because it, it's it represents it's a huge parody in the first season of Rick and Morty. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a setup that we can all understand, even mm. if we've never seen it, even mm. if we've never heard anyone describe the plot. Just the idea of like 
you know, it's it, it's a it's an entire shop that sells monkey's paws. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, it, it's it's cool. just like if you've ever <laughs> seen the pinball yeah. machine <laughs> of of the Twilight Zone, where all the objects from the show are standing behind Rod Serling. It's like a store right. of that. Yeah, oh. and and then uh, yeah. Rick and uh, the owner of the shop get in a big fight because Rick keeps counteracting the evil. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, not the point. No, it's supposed to hurt people. And he's like, yeah, this is trite. I don't want to. <laughs> uh, one, one thing I will say in this film's favor mm-hmm. is that uh, in many horror films, you have the bad guy seem to die. And then later on, uh, after all the people have had their happy ending, he opens his eyes and it's shown that he's alive or we, the audience know, uh, but the characters themselves never know here. They blow up the devil and the (laughs) devil just walks out and says, I'm the devil. I'm not going to die here at all. (laughs) So what are you going to do about it? I'll I'll see your grandson in 60 years. (laughs) And it's just like, I'm the devil. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm the devil. (laughs) <laughs> who's a little bit Christopher Walken, I guess. <laughs> uh, ooh, yeah. Um, but, right. We get into TV because I find this yeah. very... I was like, why do we have so many TV debuts this week in 93, but not nowhere else? And I realized, oh, CBS is launching early to get everyone's attention because of one particular thing that's debuting. Mm. So they're just like, fuck everyone. We're beating everyone to the punch. Everything is new on on CBS. Everything, everything, everything. And these shows all suck. I'm very confused by the trouble with Larry. It's it's the actor who plays Balky, whose name I can never remember. Ron Simpinch. Oh, was like, hey, I'm a great big star. You should give me your own my own TV show. And CBS was like, you are a star. People like you, not Balky. We'll give you your own show. How about you play a guy who was uh, kidnapped in South Africa for 10 years. You come back and your wife has remarried someone, but she's tricked the person she remarried into thinking that your baby is uh, his baby. Sounds like a laugh riot. Yeah, Uh, here's the clip. We were married three weeks later. Lindsay is our daughter. Oh, cruel gods. How you mock me. Spare my wretched life, then pinion me anew upon this scabrous dagger of thy accursed irony. (laughs) So is your sister seeing anybody? Ah! You have a child. And and that line, for some reason, stuck with me for 30 years. I, like, remembered it, even though I'd watched this show, like, you know, two episodes before they cancel it. I just think putting Bronson Pinchot's face on like advertisements for a new sitcom after Perfect Strangers and calling it The Trouble with Larry, like, oh, it's still here. How dare you? (laughs) I just got that. Oh, my fucking God. I'm so stupid. No, I mean, I I didn't get that. I I feel like that's almost lawsuit worthy uh, at some point. And Bronson Pinchot, by the way, outright rejected, but wanted the Clouseau role that Benini got. Um, oh, you could. I could see him doing it. He. I could totally see him doing yeah. that too. Yeah, I think who should sue are the writers of My Favorite Wife or Move Over Darling or something's got to give the other, not that one, but the other one, which are all remakes of the same story, which 
this, the idea of someone got married, then they're thought dead, then they come back and their friend, their, their person is remarried. They need more Wackiness. of those. It's yeah. hard. So, again, it's hard to disappear now. Courtney yeah. Cox was one of the stars of this uh, sitcom. And mm-hmm. I guarantee when it got canceled, she was like kicking herself going, oh man, my show got canceled. This is so bad. I wish that, I wish it had lasted a full season, but if it had lasted a full season, she wouldn't have been available mm-hmm. to film the Friends pilot that's coming up real soon, listeners. Mm. Uh, also out on CBS this week, Tall Hopes debuts as well as Angel Falls. Tall Hopes, I think it's a George Wallace sitcom. Which, oh. Uh, so I'm okay with that. I love George Wallace. Again, another one that doesn't make it past like six episodes. Angel Falls sounds like kind of a soap opera. Kind of, yeah. kind of soapy. Mm. And it doesn't matter because the biggest show in town is that I want to talk about anyway. It might even be the whole show. Uh, I think we teased we have Evil Dead series coming to the Patreon. Patreon.com slash time. Give us five bucks. Bruce Campbell. Never been more in love with him. Mm-hmm. And have not revisited this particular show in years. I don't know how much I watched it, but the local Fox affiliate gave away massive posters at a fair, and I was at the age where I put everything someone gave me for free on my wall. So I had Bruce Campbell on my wall before I knew who he was. Uh, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. debuts on Fox. I think of all the TV we've watched debuting in the 30 segment, I don't know of anything that holds up as well as The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. (laughs) It it will, it may not hold up to modern television standards, but you'll it's, be like, how the fuck did this get? Can- this looks amazing. It's pretty cheap. It's I don't no, know. They, it's, no, not in nineteen ninety three. Not in nineteen ninety three. This looks so stretch, much better than most ninety three shows. No, they they stretch their dollar. Dude, Par- Parker Lewis I mean, looked like a production of Our Town. Like it, there's just black but, backgrounds and <laughs> things moved into the front. Yeah, they stretch their dollar because it is a steampunk show and a western, which is kind of insane. Not right away, but though. The the but I don't know what it kind of are they shooting on high eight video or something. There's something about it that just makes it just screams like the level of a Hercules or a Xena. No, it, it, I think it's shot on film and and okay. and the so? the writing is absolutely ahead of its time. And yeah, and, I'll and, give you that one. It, it's pretty, I will say this. Yeah. If you want to know how to write a good TV pilot, watch the first 15 minutes of Briscoe County Jr. Because they set up everything. Yeah. It's entertaining. It's engaging. And you instantly know the characters and their motivation and what they're going for for the rest of the series in 15 minutes. And it is uh, behind the scenes rather blatantly like, Anita Jones and the Last Crusade seems pretty cool. Like, why can't we just do that every week? And like, George Lucas sort of already is. It's from the writer of Indiana yeah. Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, they, my favorite indie film. And they hire him which, and and Carlton Cuse of mm. of Lost Fame and other stuff. Uh, That's positive. Uh, but just it's completely ahead of its time and thoroughly. I was bowled over. Oh my god, he partners up with Shownuff playing a. a a black bounty hunter in the old West. Give me more. Arlie Ermey is, is it Briscoe County senior in the pilot and all these other, uh, like Diana, all these other amazing 
old timey character actors who do the Western thing really fucking well, like nearly on their deathbed. And Powers Booth, and it's of and it's a joyful Western. Yeah. You know, after Unforgiven, yeah. it was like every Western had to be dour and sad and depressing. And this is just like, no, the West is fun. Come on. And and yes, I, have fun. I mean, if it reminds me of anything else, like the the TV show Wild Wild West, mm-hmm. that seems to be heavily inspiring this. And if that movie had one tangle second that you liked you will probably enjoy this so much more than that of just yeah movie makers give me a big budget briscoe county junior film how awesome would that be you can you can even have a mechanical spider in it i'll be happy <laughs> <laughs> i i was just i was kind of taken aback just because the locations uh, the camera work that was something not really be it's it's fox taking giant stabs at capturing a young audience and this was never ever even close to a ratings hit and had 27 full ep- full length episodes in 1993 and then it just kind of went away and it's just that bummer we will talk about in the in Elm Street Nightmare this season Bruce is Bruce Campbell cursed just mm-hmm. but I, I think part of it was like I eventually would love Bruce Campbell I was a little young for the Evil Dead phenomenon even when Army of Darkness came out and you were living in a world where a lot of people didn't have Fox yet and didn't make the connection that Ash is Ash is a smarter if you we had a giant conversation on our Patreon how do you do Indiana Jones without Indy this is a pretty decent job on a TV budget like Bruce Campbell is not a bad choice he is now a very physical actor capable of doing his own stunts which he does funnily I thought it was amazing man like rewatching yeah. this so I Loved rewatching it. I was a huge. See, I, I'm trying to recall back 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Did I become a Bruce Campbell fan because of Briscoe County Jr. and then I started loving Evil Dead? It's or plausible. Was it the other way around. I can't recall really, but I know I love this show. I know I was like tuned in every single week for it and kind of just like uh, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, Baby J.R. got fucked by the Fox Network. Mm. They were like airing it in the death slot. They kept doing all these things and they canceled it after one season. And listeners, we're going to talk about some episodes in this uh, coming year of the show because I loved it at the time. I'm really curious how it holds up. I think the pilot is better than any other... TV pilot in 1993. The, and the pilot that? is a, is a movie, and it does it does a hell of a lot of heavy, heavy lifting. Because at some point, like, is this the next episode? There's a lot more characters being introduced, but it's still the pilot. I was pretty yeah. blown away with like how ahead of this time the show seemed, and if I had to guess, maybe why Evil Dead fans maybe didn't buy into it. It is very cartoony intentionally. Yeah. And eventually starts making like modern pop culture references in the old West, kind of <laughs> winking at everybody. But I like, yeah. I appreciate that. I thought that, that no one else is doing that right now. We just have, we have fucking Balky getting his own show on the other network. <laughs> th- th- this is what's happening here. Like an up and coming writer trying to bring Indiana Jones to screen every week with Bruce Campbell. How do we, how do we ignore this? Fuck. Yeah, the writer was so systematic about it too. Um, he looked at all those old serials 
you know, like Indiana Jones was based upon. And he realized they were almost always either a sci-fi serial Mm -hmm. or a Western serial. Mm -hmm. And he just thought, why don't I combine the two? That way we can have it weekly adventures in both these genres. Yeah, Hmm. I think they they said they eventually pared down the sci-fi because it was like a huge balancing act. Because they did try and include like an action sequence in every one of these things. And that can get a little... A little more costly on a television budget if you're doing week to week. But uh, yeah, I thought it was really, really ahead of its time, man. Highly recommended by me. I feel like I need to actually go back and and watch it because I just, I caught little bits and pieces here and there, even though this sounds like everything I would like. And I was just sort of like, I don't even know what I'm looking at right now. I I think you would. I think you would just because like- I think I would like, but yeah, 30 years ago, it's like, I don't even know where they're going with this. Also, I just want to point out their lowest rated episode (laughs) today would put them in the top 20. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Uh, Yeah, yeah, and and I can't, I was going through the IMDb, like if you've watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and see how former TV actors struggle and- what their daily work life looks like it's probably it's all these really old people from these old west shows getting work again as these old west characters like if you scroll through all of its uh every episode's imdb half the pictures are black and white because that's when those people were the most popular and and it just it seems much more authentic now to old west characters and old west dialogue Mm -hmm. just something really cool and it it's not streaming anywhere, or it is. Mm. Most of it's on YouTube. Mm. It was streaming yeah. on Tubi uh, up until very recently, so I think we will see it again somewhere. But uh, yeah, I, I recommend tracking it down, especially if you're a Bruce Campbell fan, because he's does, dude. He's a quippy guy, it, a chattier Indiana Jones. It works. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I still love don't this. understand why this never just grabbed my attention because it is so many things I like. It seems like it's just made for me. And I was, yeah, in 1993, it was just like, I don't know. I think maybe I thought it was like not serious enough as a Western. Maybe that was just in my head as opposed to like, you don't understand Westerns. They're just making fun of them, but I no, they're not. They're loving them. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're being respectful, but funny. Okay. Oh, we should say, I will look up. What is considered the best episode of Briscoe County Jr. Put it in the docket and you'll watch it for the whatever that week is. Sound good? Awesome. And we, yep. we should say uh, Bruce Campbell plays Briscoe County Jr., son to Briscoe County, the legendary lawman, inherits the role, but he is also a Harvard-educated disgraced lawyer. So he's <laughs> he's he's clever on like every front of 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 all this stuff. It's it's such an interesting character because Briscoe has way more smarts than Ash, mm-hmm. but he has Ash's brashness. Ego, yeah, brashness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he has a reason to have that brashness, whereas Ash really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout the series, he's looking for something, as he says in this clip. It's eighteen ninety three. We're only seven years away from a new century. The 20th century, don't you sense it? The coming thing, it's out there on the horizon. It's right around the corner. And what exactly is the coming thing, Mr. Conti? <laughs> you guys aren't too bright for a bunch of robber barons, are you? If I knew exactly what it was, it wouldn't be coming. It would already be here. I think we've heard enough, Mr. County. We're not fools. We won't be treated as such. Good day to you, sir. 
Now, just a minute. <laughs> I love that that's, that was Richard Kind in this reunion Zoom uh, script reading, but not in the show. Thank God. Yeah, I, I do <laughs> I mean, I love, love that we got all those reunion shows yeah. during COVID. It's just nice yeah. that they're all up on YouTube for the fans to just re-examine. It's, it's almost a bummer <laughs> that the writer strike or the actors, both the writers and the actor strike, like no promotion on podcasts because we just get it again right now. If not for that, but I get it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I love how Bruce Campbell got this job. Have you have you heard this story? No, no, no. Give me. So you know he's coming off of Army of Darkness, and he's going into all these Fox executives. He's been through the Sam Raimi school of Punisher actors as much as possible. So he gets to the audition for the first audition, and he shows them a backflip. Just like in the audition <laughs> thing. He just standing, reading, backflip time. And the guys who's doing the first audition loves it. And he goes to the second audition. And the first guy says, hey, make sure to do the backflip. Yeah, they so love he does the backflip. backflip again. And he has to do the backflip five separate times in boardrooms, in these <laughs> meeting halls, in these tiny little cramped areas, hoping he doesn't break his neck to get this role. Oh, Oh, it just, it really wanted me to, like a, a alternate, an alternate hi- history where he played Indiana Jones. Like, uh, like Ooh, yeah. if you combined Harrison Ford with Spider-Man, you'd get the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. It's fucking, <laughs> f- fucking great. Uh, and that's not even the biggest thing that debuted this week on the Fox network. I had to do some research. This is the first of 23 shows. Yep. Yep. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers debuts on Fox. Fox Kids and it was kind of miraculous because like I was just kind of growing out of watching Adam West Batman every day Mm. I've seen all these so many times where am I going to get my fill on villains of the week and colorful characters boom Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and I should say I, I the only reason I don't consider myself a fan of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is I am at the age where it's an insult in school to be watching this so I am I, it's like my big dark secret that I'm watching this every fucking morning because I loved it. I loved the first the first season or two. Whenever until the the, the movie, I was really kind of into Mighty, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and for good reason, as, as sure, I'm sure as most people know. Jesus, what Saban Entertainment? Just a brilliant stroke of taking much more expensive Japanese television footage from the Super Sentai series in its 16th season. In 1993, cherry picking whatever it wanted and then shooting kind of the most boring sequences of the show with your American actors (laughs) and uh, all the kaiju stuff's been in the can for years. They're just licensing it. And the show's format, I think, worked very much like that The outside of the movie the entire time. I think only recently they they might have, I read they might have to stop it because Japan is still making the bulk of the show. And we fashion it into Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It's so, and I can't believe I didn't notice because half these guys are ripped. You didn't notice? No, no. I like mean, I, I mean, that is one of the smart things is that when they become the Power Rangers, their mouths don't move anymore, mm-hmm. so you can dub whatever yep. you want. But plenty of other things, no, their mouths. Keep I know, moving. like, like uh, uh, some of these guys are ripped, and they all of a sudden turn into like. 110 pound Japanese guys in a place that's clearly <laughs> not LA and no it, it just didn't 
it never registered for me as as a little kid. But uh, I, I love the fact that a couple of other shows tried to copy the Power oh, Rangers yeah. format mm-hmm. without realizing that they were just bringing over all the cheap Japanese footage. Mm-hmm. So then <laughs> they had to try to film their own Monster Mites footage oh, so when bad. they hadn't budgeted for it. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. You think this is going to be cheap Beetleborgs? You have no idea what the, these budgets are on these <laughs> Japanese institutions at this point. Oh, my God. But, yeah, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, 30 years old. Feel old. All right. Yeah. Guess how long it would take you to watch every episode oh, of God. every Power Rangers show. <sighs> well, it's it's only like had like one or two years of a break, even though it's continued airing. Right. Shit, so and like, me saying that there are 23 shows is a bit of a misnomer and that's really every season of the show the title changes. Yeah, and it, just it, like this I've point, seen Hunger Force, just like they're fucking with us. We should say it's a daily show. It's on every day a new episode. Well, you know, for like like 50 episodes a year. Holy shit. I don't know. The answer is 20 days, 1 hour. 30 minutes if you didn't sleep or eat or do anything if else you didn't sleep no commercial you would die you would <laughs> you would die you cannot oh go 20 God. days without sleep so yes no. wow and and, Holy crap. and in terms of uh other thought experiments i know we we forecasted this a while ago but the late show with david letterman premieres on cbs this week as well uh with special guest bill murray and musical guest billy joel and this is on youtube and my my question to to people out there, I, it's thoroughly okay if you don't give a shit about talk shows. I woke up today, saw this, and realized how long has the writer strike been happening? Mm. This, however long that's been happening, like I haven't seen any monologue YouTube videos, and I forgot that I didn't. Not saying I don't miss them. It's just I forgot to expect them every morning with my coffee, and I don't expect them anymore. I get it. I get not liking talk shows, but the Letterman coup is still insane. The guy who was the follow-up to the big show gets his own show competing with the big show. Like how often does that happen anywhere? Like someone gets plucked out of the DCU to become Iron Man. Like that like that kind of thing. How lo- a, com- yeah, a a direct competitor yeah, it's like your own vice president running against you. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I was even thinking like Megyn Kelly, I guess, left Fox News for the Today Show. That sort of counts. But I, yeah, I can't. It's like if Dana Carvey left SNL to like start permanently hosting Mad TV in the same time slot. Like that shit's insane. I'm not sure anything like this had ever happened before. So when you, if you bother to watch the YouTube p- video, people are going insane. It opens up with worldwide news clips forecasting that this is happening because of how unprecedented it is oh yeah and they they play up everything and i have not rewatched it but i remember it very well at the time making a big deal of we're in the ed sullivan yes theater i did the ed sullivan theater and they're like so many guest stars the one line uh, from this that i used to quote to my friend we'd quote it back and forth and giggle for no reason is when paul newman pops oh, up in the you crowd I was gonna. I thought I could surprise you with it. Um, um. Yeah. No. We were. It's like I would crack. We would crack each other up in biology class by just leaning over and being like, "Hey, where the hell are the singing cats?" Okay. Hold on. I got the clip. I got the clip. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a funny. It's a funny bit. And I, I was watching plenty of talk shows at this point. I don't remember this person being a guest on the show. 
on, on a lot of shows at this point in the nineties. He was kind of like, I'll be in your movie, but I'm not going out there and doing the press tour. I got kids, uh, and yep. probably grant, and I got a salad dressing empire to oversee. So he plays a clip like I'm going to conjure the ghost of Ed Sullivan and see if he can bring forth any famous people who have been on this stage. And they play a ghostly clip of, uh, the real Ed Sullivan, introducing the real Paul Newman and Paul Newman just stands up in the audience and there's like a two minute applause break. Cause I don't, yeah. Welcome to the program, Paul. Thank you very much for dropping by. Where the hell are the singing cats? <laughs> oh, no. this, this, is, this is not cats. This is my, my TV show. I'm in the wrong theater. Oh, <laughs> I, I love uh, uh, just I a celebrity I'm cameo sorry. of that that magnitude for that short. Beautiful. I'm sorry. I literally haven't seen that in 30 years exactly. And yet I, yes, we remembered it, it so often. <laughs> Where the hell are the singing cats? <laughs> it was just such a interesting decision by the NBC executives because I can see why they did it. Um Jay Leno was cheaper than David Letterman, mm -hmm. but they made such a mistake because Jay Leno couldn't have started his rival talk show. He didn't have that following at the time. He was mm -hmm. just, you know, the once a week Carson replacement. David Letterman had an oeuvre. He had a niche and he could right. go start his competitor. So even though they made the right short term financial decision, by splitting the market, they made the wrong long-term financial decision. And and I believe I was. This is when I start paying attention to that whole fiasco. Uh, letter twenty-three million people tune in to see this, and Letterman kicks the shit out of Leno for a very very long time. It's I think Hugh Grant being yep. a guest after the blowjob. Hugh Grant, but we'll talk but about that. But I still year. believe like this. Like NBC is about to kick off its friend Seinfeld ER era. Where there are way more people watching NBC, so there are way more people hanging around for the local news and the talk show that comes afterwards. I don't think it's just that one moment; it's that NBC had must-see TV for much, much longer <laughs> than CBS did. Because this week they they debuted Tall Hopes and Angel Falls. Uh, Gosh, you know that that's such a different era, though. We're talking about people watching the sta yeah. same station. Yes, for. Four and a half hours? It's, it seems unbelievable, but I, like when I got my own TV, I couldn't wait to do that. I couldn't, like on my little black, black and white television set, I couldn't wait to do that. It was awesome. Uh, but yeah, Letterman, the Letterman show is officially 30 years old. Um, off the air for how long? Not that long. Like mm. um, a little, over, not, not quite, yeah. Not, yeah, not quite 10 years. Anyway, moving into games. Uh, I'll save the, the biggies for, for last because, oh my God, we're going to talk about all Super Nintendo games. Super Slapshot. Uh, Paul, Paul Newman back. again. Yeah. Oh, damn it, Diana. <laughs> Tripping over ourselves to mention Paul Newman here. He's a great man. rules. <laughs> uh, uh, this had no licenses from real life professional leagues. So, oh, you know, no. yeah, just had the names of places because hey you can't copyright a place name can you nope. so uh you know just uh guess what team this is or american but, sounding names like bobson dugnut like get them in there <laughs> but yeah this makes the huge mistake that every single snes hockey game made 
by not being NHL 94, ah. a game that still has tournaments played to it to this day. I mean, it's it's kind of the backbone of swingers. Uh, <laughs> and, and you can see it in mall rats. Um, we got Seven Saga. That's out. Super Nintendo. Uh, um. Uh, it's a, uh, you play one of seven playable characters, all of which have to go on their separate journey. And it amazes me that they had the balls to make this game before the era of GameFAQ. Because if you don't pick the right character to start, mm-hmm. you die in like six minutes. Yeah, there, there was so uh. there were so many games that when the internet came out, we could finally figure out how to play how to finish them. It was very very strange. Uh, and then I love Super Caesar's Palace is out for Super Nintendo, a bunch of casino ass mini games. I don't know how well its legacy holds up, but I know on a recent semi recent video game apocalypse. I priced the lowest price NES game, and that was Caesar's Palace. That is worth the least. So here's the sequel. Uh, I, I can just never forget that one of the first things I did when emulation became a thing, and I did save scumming, was like, oh, I'll play these casino games and just save scum until I win. <laughs> All right. I just won a million dollars. Okay. That's the kind of thing, like... If you could trick a needful things guy, like give me that ability in real life at a casino table, like let's just let yeah. me just scum save until I win at blackjack. Uh, That's actually one of the needful things. Oh, in, is it? In needful <laughs> things, a guy gets a miniature racetrack, and he can name the horses, and they'll match the actual horse races for that day. Um, and these hmm. are rough release dates. I don't know what Capcom was thinking releasing final fight two alongside another game that it, the, the series of which final fight will eventually be folded into as they become like kind of interchangeable, but really, yeah. Fights like a beat em up brawler. It's not really the same. Yeah. But all the characters in the world are still are in street fighter. If you play street fighter really? six, the new game, the overworld is Metro city, the area of final fight. And, Almost all its characters are playable characters in the series. Uh, down to Andor. I don't think Macho Man characters in there. Yeah, Sodom, Relento, Cody, Guy, Mike Hagar. They're all back for this one. And Street Fighter is bleeding into uh, Final Fight. There's Street Fighter characters in the background. I can't remember. Like three, they have like full combo meters and like hidden hidden moves. But the I think this got thoroughly overshadowed because Final Fight's one of my favorite series. But I think... If I'm being honest, I was there in the arcades for the uh, the renaissance of Street Fighter, but only the first Street Fighter. I was not dumping quarters into the arcade machines once I knew this is going to come to Super Nintendo. And this is, I guess, the third home version, the second Super Nintendo version of Street Fighter. Yes. Street Fighter 2 Turbo Hyper Fighting, and I unbelievably exciting. So, yeah, this was released less than one year after the previous installment and there were four street fighter games released on the super Nintendo alone mm-hmm. and baby JR bought three of them. Um, yep. This was one of them. And I was like, Oh, right. Street fighter alpha was on there. That's right. I was like, so debating my, with myself whether to spend the money for this next version of street fighter. But when Street Fighter 2, the original version, came out for the Super Nintendo. It was 
literally the best video game experience of my life. Yep. Having my friend over and finally not having to do the arcade thing, just staying up all night drinking more Mountain Dew than should be legally mm-hmm. allowed. It, it, it cha- uh, you're right. It changed the face of sleepovers. It changed the face of my neighborhood for what mm-hmm. felt like months at a time. And I'd love explaining this to Diana. Street Fighter II Championship position, uh, added four more playable characters. This added faster combat um, and, ah. and, and some new moves and, and some other but all bells and whistles. But like that was kind of it, and it was magical. It changed how you played, and not only that, you could play more. You could play more with one another. The fights went faster, and you could keep playing with your friends. It was just magical. Magical. Well, uh, I believe this version also allows you to play as the bosses. Now, I had a Game Genie, and mm-hmm. so I used a code for the original Street Fighter Did 2 that work? SNES okay. that allowed me to play the bosses in a very hanky-janky way. But I think this is the version that lets you play as it the did. end bosses. It did, but the, the Genesis Championship Edition port had already done that. So if okay. you had both systems, which I did not, but I, I'd, I'd played that at home already, like the, right. the four new characters. They did add new moves for most of the characters. And a bunch of like, people shouting in the background, extra noises, like uh, things you associate with Street Fighter. Because I think I played this version the most of all Street Fighters ever. Street Fighter wow. 2 Turbo Hyper Fighting. And that isn't even the biggest game out in this, this week, this area for the Super Nintendo Let's see if this commercial can tell you what's up. He's back. He's here. He's Mario. No, he's the new and improved Mario in Super Mario All-Star. So much Mario is a Mario smorgasbord. It's all the way down Mario Brothers Adventures he ever played and then some. But this is juiced up 16-bit only on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Mario. So it's bigger Mario, better Mario, in your face Mario. It's raccoon Mario. Mario throwing fireballs. Mario hurling turnips. Mario negotiating an arms deal. Okay, maybe not. It's Mario like you've never seen him. What's 2 plus 2 Mario? What's the capital of Ohio? Mario. You're gonna live, breathe, eat, sleep Mario. In Super Mario All-Stars, four complete Mario games, including the never-seen lost levels. You can't get more Mario than this, which is why the best play Oh, I don't I don't want to over explain <laughs> this because I know every gamer knows exactly what this is. But it the Mario phenomenon for me is not that old. It's five years old, essentially. Uh, that's when the NES took root in my area, even though it's released in 1985. But Nintendo rather smartly balked at the idea of just porting over um, Mario games over to the Super Nintendo and like, we are going to remake these. They are not remasters. They are... Just brand, they're the same games, brand new color palettes, and in Japan, blah, 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 Doki Doki Panic, we got Super Mario 2, we didn't, the lost levels are the Japanese Super Mario 2, the one that was deemed too hard to be in America, and Japan got Super Mario USA, our version of Super Mario 2. And okay, listeners, yeah. in your pre-1993 world, I cannot express how mythical mm-hmm. the lost worlds were. It was like... <laughs> This rumor on the playground. Do you know Japan got yes. a Mario game that we never got? Nuh-uh. Yes. That's not true. And it led to my uncle works at Nintendo. That's still a joke we make today. They said they're up to Mario 7 Japan. That's all due to like having not real, not solid information translated well on what actually happened. And it didn't matter because we got them all anyway. Now, five years yeah, after and- I first experienced Mario, it's pretty neat. I was like so excited when this came out. I was just like thrilled that I was finally going to get to play the Lost Levels. And so I started it, and the very first time I got killed by a 
poison mushroom, mm. I was like, fuck this Japanese bullshit. <laughs> yep. What the hell are you doing? Some of the mushrooms kill you. So yeah, Diana, yeah. Mario 2 in Japan was just looked just like Mario 1, but was evil. Evil, yes. cruel, and, and, and like they had an audience for that. Like, this one is much harder. You're going to dig it. That wasn't really happening much in America. I encourage you to look up the the British commercials because Rick Mail of Young Ones and Drop Dead was doing all Nintendo promotions and has a really funny commercial for this game in particular. But uh, he, even, he even mentions, like, the rumored lost levels are behind this door. Uh, and it eventually became a Super Nintendo pack-in. I don't know how any other console was supposed to compete. You have four Mario games, although my secret hot take is I don't care for any of these. I want to play... What? I mean, I, the original, sure. But I'd rather play the originals. I just don't like the sounds and the color palette and all that. Sh it just doesn't do anything. Like, I want to play the originals. I, I get that. But in 1993, I can tell you graphics were king. Yeah. Graphics were, like, everything in video games. It was just, like, graphics, graphics, graphics. And this was better graphics, so therefore this was the better version in 1993. It still is. Like, it's not even, like, that good-looking A game for 1993 there are better looking platformers out there but there are there are four of them and, and they have mario in them and you know how to play them and blah 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 everything works yeah they're they're excellently designed games and you know I'm actually, every spider-man comics is someone's first spider-man comic so look, there's a JR. whole new crop of nintendo fans who are coming to it in the super nintendo era and this is their first exposure uh, to the supermarket. This is dumb. It feels like it happens too often. I don't hate it. I'm sitting right here with a sealed copy of it. <laughs> the Wii version that was re-released. I found it at a Walmart on clearance for $9 sometime in the last three years. And I would recommend picking that up if you're a collector because that's a... Probably will fetch something someday. But Mario All-Stars, I feel like it's this like... No, it's it's out on virtual console if you have a Switch. You can still play this yeah. thing. Anyway. I, I will, no, one Go thing. Ahead. Is this the first remake? Um, no, a video game. Well, I mean, I think hmm. you'd have to think of like, is a port a remake? Because there were this isn't this isn't a port. This is all new graphics. I, I know, I know, but like there were there were several games, even for the Super Nintendo, that were brought to the graphically superior Super Nintendo and given a Super Nintendo treatment. I, I think okay. it's it's the first like major remake, like a like overhaul, because it doesn't look the same really at all, um, and the music is different. It's it's. Even Does, now, even now, the same you, source code because no, uh, no. Mario jumps a little differently. Yeah, even even now, you can look up. You typically don't get something this different with within one generation. You'll either get like no. yeah, you'll get like a smoother frame rate version, and then you got to wait for the ultra remastered version. I I am sorry, listeners, if you're a big PS5 fan, I have gotten it, and I am so underwhelmed. That I'm just like. This is so little difference from my PS4. I do not think I could tell if I was still you, playing What you got to do is try a PS5 exclusive JR. And the reason why no one wants to do... Because they're still making all the PS5 games compatible on PS4 and sacrificing what power they could have put into a current gen only one by making it last gen compatible. Diana's bored. This isn't fair to her. <laughs> Video Game Apocalypse is every week. Um, music of 1993... August 25th through the 31st, end of August, 30 years ago. Can't help falling in love by UB40. is still number one. Other new releases include Pure <laughs> Pleasure, the debut of Shaggy. It is him this time. Uh, you've been <laughs> you've been played by Smooth, featuring 
Rob Santana. Uh, no, just smooth. Uh, Sky Dancer by Dark Tranquility. Unknown Road by Pennywise. Giant Steps by the Boo Radleys. In Pieces by Garth Brooks. Holy Lord, that would go everywhere. So would Music Box by Mariah Carey. And then there's oh, still yeah. The Last Splash by The Breeders, which is on Rolling Stone's best 500 albums of all time list. Oh, and this is such a jam. I was so happy to see. Oh, my God, this made it all the way to 98 on the charts. Good for them. Did it really? there's the... There's such a, you know, like tiny indie thing, but it was like alternative. That's like really alternative, man. It's like, of course not. I think it's still on a major label, but uh, I love this song. Yeah, but it, it still has a sound that is like pretty distinct from anything else. Oh, yeah. The readers. Yeah. Uh, very, very much appreciated. And that's why we're going to close out with Cannonball. You should try wearing pants, a reference he makes to MTV, which we will talk about probably at length in the next episode or next segment. <laughs> Uh, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. My 302010 co-host, a new movie in a series incredibly important to both of them in different ways came out. I have been waiting to ask you your opinion on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And you can explain further, but JR, lifelong Indiana Jones fan, Diana, uh, annual tradition uh, with Indiana Absolutely. Jones. Every Christmas. Every Christmas. Raiders of the Lost Ark. But what, how do you feel about the rest of the series? As Comes and goes. Uh, Last Crusade, I think, is fantastic. Mostly because having rewatched it, you know, kind of as an adult realizing, oh, this is just a comedy that happens to have a bunch of action in it. Temple of Doom, basically once they get to the Temple of Doom, the movie's over for me. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. I don't know what you heard about me. Pull up this thing, get a dollar out of me. No Cadillac, no perms you can't see. Coming into 2003 with PIMP by 50 Cents. It's on the charts this week, and thank God, something new is on the charts this week. What usually is there? Beyonce? Beyonce and Jay-Z? Get out of here. It's still number one. Nope, it's still number one, no. It's time for uh, time. Yeah, it's time for a new artist who we'll talk more about probably in this very segment. 50 Cent. Uh, welcome to 2003, August 25th to the 31st. Other new music releases include Unstable by Edema, Take Them On On Your Own by Black Rebel Motorci- Motorcycle Club, Wooden Leather by Nappy Roots, The Wild Hearts Must be, be Destroyed by The Wild Hearts, Anchors Away by The Bounding Sounds, Anthems of Rebellion by Arch Enemy, Everything Goes Numb by Star- Starlight Manifesto, Love and Life by Mary J. Blige, Metamorphosis by Hilary Duff, Visions of Gandhi by Jedi Mind Tricks, Waking the Fallen, by uh, Avenged Sevenfold and The Wind, the final album by Warren Zevon. Oh, Crazy in Love is still number one. God damn it, Beyonce and Jay-Z. <laughs> Why did I misread the format of the show I've been doing for eight years? Uh, moving on to the news of 20 years ago, 2003, August 25th to the 31st. Mars makes its close, closest appearance to Earth 
in nearly 60,000 years, passing uh, 35 million miles uh, distance between us. Is that all? I could feel it. Mm -hmm. I could definitely feel it. Uh, To give that some perspective, language had not been invented the last time Mars was this close. Wow. Wow. I did, do we, are we supposed to feel something when that happens? I just remember looking no. at it in a telescope. No, no you can just see it better. Mm. That's about it. And um, one of my favorite celebrity marriages of all time occurs this week. Amy Poehler marries Will Arnett. They divorce. I guess that's, that's, that's a pretty good length for a marriage, I suppose, a dozen or so years. They divorced in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still like to think of them as still together. I don't know why. It's just fun. They're They're... She misunderestimated him on Arrested Development, and I like them playing a married couple on that, too. Uh, And then in internet news, first documented use of O'Reilly in four letters, capitalized. Orly. 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 That owl is going to ask you, hey, what's your favorite Parisian airport? And I will say, Orly. Orly. It's And it's short for your friends named Orlando, it can be. Um, No. And oh, really? I just always said it orally, and I just think it's funnier that way to hear an owl going orally. <laughs> and uh, 2003 movies. I cannot express to you how short I expect the segment to be. Um, oh, God. Soccer it's... Channing, Les- uh, Leslie Karen, Naomi Watts, and Kate Hudson in Le Divorce is out this week. Yes, this is a James Avery film. A what? It is a James Ivory film. James Ivory. Who- did back in Remains of the Day, back backwards, going forwards. He uh, wrote Call Me By Your Name, even though he's fucking old. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's better known for the period dramas. And this one is just about like Naomi Watts is divorcing her very French husband because he is having l'affaire. And Le Kate Hudson <laughs> comes to Paris and also starts having l'affaires. And everyone is having l'affaires and double crossing each other. And uh, but those, the reviews are like, it's fine. You know, it's... If you okay, really need one of these, congratulations, yes. you have another one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm just like very classy European relationship dramas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Le Fine. Le Fine. I but, don't... I... Oh, we have a... But next we have a film debut. Is it? That we'll be talking about. Uh, Anna Kendrick? We. Oui. It is Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick's debut, Robin uh, De Jesus. That's of Jesus if you're an English speaker. Uh, Joanna Chilcote. Chilcote? Chilcote? Chilcote is a fucking great name. Daniel uh, Leterly in Camp, a movie I've never heard of until this recording. Oh, well, because you're not a theater kid. No. (laughs) Because it is about theater camp. Theater camp. It's going to theater camp. And theater kids being theater kids, and it's you know become a very popular with theater kids. It's kind of a cult movie for them, and yeah, all their views are very good. But I spent enough time around theater kids, man, and I, this is like one of the few on the list that was like, oh yeah, I should probably watch that. I'm not in the mood for theater kids because theater kids are exhausting. I uh, (laughs) am now related to multiple theater kids, and I support everything they do, and that will be the extent of that. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to hear about your process. You're 13. Stop it. And yes. And 
Man, again, I told you shortest segment ever because I didn't watch any of these. Yeah. Um, uh, please, you know, put in comments around the Facebook group if you want to, you know, talk up or talk about some of these movies. Because, yeah, we're sure. just blowing through these. And, yeah, camp sounds like it's it's a lot of fun. You know, it's like fame for people with only medium amount of talent instead of ridiculous amounts of talent. <laughs> and that sounds fun. And it's streaming on Pluto, people. You can watch it free. Uh, number one of the box office this week, Eric Nair... Nininger, I'm really going to be careful with that name. Uh, Nikki Lynn Icox, uh, Jonathan Breck, and Ray Wise. Uh, oh boy, Jeepers Creepers 2. We are down and disabled. Every 23rd spring. For 23 days. This thing has been around for thousands of years. It gets to eat. Nothing has been able to kill it. Welcome to day 23. All you kids, get down! It isn't dead. Looks dead to me. Here's Creepers 2, make the heart start Friday. So I previously had some affection for the original Jeepers Creepers. Uh, I didn't like this one as much. And instead of rewatching it... I just looked into the writer director again and to show you how far we here's an example of how far we've come. The last movie he directed was Jeepers Creepers three in 2017, where the public decided to ask, do we have to have a convicted child molester write and direct this movie? Is this the only way this could happen? And those questions weren't asked 20 years ago, even though this was all public knowledge because that's the way this business worked. I mean, shit happens, right? Right. Even when it's no. on your movie set. And, on your movie yeah. set and you filmed it and that kid was 12. Yeah. It's, it's well, highly gross. Uh, so instead yeah. of recommending anything to do with Jeepers Creepers 2, I just do me a favor and watch any horror movie not not written and directed by a convicted child molester. So I didn't know any of that background mm-hmm. going in. I just started watching it, <laughs> and I noped out after the half-hour mark. Mm. This is two, listeners. Two notes. Number two, this episode. Uh, I mean, there's so many writing 101 mistakes in this film. No. Uh, they have uh, one of the characters have psychic visions for no reason that then don't go on to affect the plot any. Mm-hmm. It's like, why have that in your movie? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. I kind of like it's- the setup that, you know, there's this monster and there's a bus full of teenagers and it breaks down like in a cornfield and they're just isolated. Like, okay, we, we got us an Alamo here. We could do something with this. And doesn't sound like they do much. And look, I support doing your time and getting rehabilitated but that doesn't mean you get to go back to making films with teenagers Mm -hmm. i believe there is a line that had to be cut from the last movie because it's read too much of like people are gonna love what they love (laughs) who are we to judge and like yeah yeah, we're gonna judge this line not to be in this movie um Uh, given the director's proclivities no i and also just yeah the the death of the author just just judging the art on its own yeah like no one really has something good to say about this yeah. of just like i guess the setup's okay Ray and Wise then none is of it. it makes any sense and the ending's kind of fun uh just reading the synopsis of like ah. yeah they just capture this thing and turn it into roadside attraction because like it sleeps every 23 it sleeps for 23 years so 
yeah, for 22 and a half years at least, you can just have this as a roadside attraction. And, and then, I, then you then you better run, but and then with that, I say we move into television. Yeah, because that's what I, I'm excited to talk about. What is the fight for the Fox box? Can I play? This uh, clip? So this is the 2003 equivalent of those old NBC cartoon specials where it's like yes. the cast of a Family Ties tells you all about the upcoming. Uh, cartoon yeah. lineup. Please oh, allow Richard Pryor to tell you all about the Wuzzles or Pee Wee Herman and Roddy Piper to tease Muppet Babies. That did happen. <laughs> uh, two long, two dead legends, man. But uh, is this a special? I mean, it's a one-off. It's yeah, just okay. like happens once a year. Here's our upcoming cartoons. Yeah, and uh, oh yeah, that's right. That's what they changed the name of the Fox animated uh cartoon break too sorry yeah i would age out of that but big fan of the fox cartoons always have been but frankie munez can tell us what's happening hey everybody i'll be hosting the fox box next week how are you i'm frankie munez is that supposed to mean something to me i have my own show malcolm in the middle never heard of it what time's it on it's on fox at night fox has shows on at night too you're nuts Who's the one talking to a giant animated snail? Fox Fox! Is that, is, this, is that a Pokemon, a Digimon, or a Monster Rancher? Because I think uh, you younger Why listeners out there might listen, might yes. get who that is. <laughs> Why is it doing a Paul Lind impression? That's the question Diane and I both had, yes. Why is it doing Paul Lind? Why does it sound like Roger from American Dad? Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I greatly, I greatly miss how much of our time networks were willing to waste back in the day. Oh, so good. Uh, and speaking th- of exactly, we missed we m- last we week. Yes, uh, I wanted. I was bringing that up for a reason because uh, this week is the I don't know what MTV VMAs, but they're treating it like MTV's twentieth birthday. There's a birthday, Chris Rock emerges from a giant birthday cake, gives a monologue, and makes a joke that will make absolutely no sense to anyone under 25. Yeah! MTV is now 20 years old, 20 years of MTV. So you know what that means? In a couple of years, MTV is going to start watching VH1, right? Totally lands 20 years ago doesn't make a lick of sense so why would people (laughs) switch from ridiculousness to rupaul's drag race kids (laughs) mtv used to be the music channel and vh1 used to be the old people music channel and i never get tired of mentioning this to people who don't know that like vh1's identity is largely black now it is reruns of like martin and black ink and rupaul's drag race and yeah is is mostly the black channel now it's so strange because we a couple of years ago, we played that promo for the beginning of VH1 for the generation who took acid that now takes an acid. Uh, that's how VH1 oh marketed themselves. God. And now they watch Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. And this is the MTV's annual video music awards. And Chris Rock makes the remark, which is older than 20 years old, that MTV doesn't play much music videos anymore. But to even his whole monologue is about the shows that are on MTV that are not music videos. It's all about making the band and punked. Uh, mm-hmm. And th- we missed last week 
newlyweds, <laughs> Nick and Jessica, Nick and Jessica Simpson, which debuted on MTV because those were the big MTV debuts even 20 years ago. Yep. And, oh, God, what has they wrought? I mean, I guess I'm going back to blaming the Osbournes on this. They're looking for another Osbournes. But mm-hmm. this is when we, we get these huge waves of shows of just nothing we're following we're following famous people around in their real lives and oh it's okay. it's exasperating because, because at this point reality tv shows are sports matches everyone knows that like basketball isn't real like there's no objective reality. They're just making up the rules for basketball and everyone agrees to the rules and you right. watch the people fall along the rules to have a good show, okay? Same with reality TV show. They put in place whatever rules make the most drama and everyone just goes along with it. I that okay. is reality or, or shows. Ballet. How about ballet? No one jumps <laughs> up at a ballet show and shows that swan isn't real. She's not a swan. That's that's reality shows now. I just want to take a little stat, a little shot at MTV reality shows back then, because mm. they very much were just film people doing what they're doing. If you, I, I watched the first couple seasons of The Real World, they had to take away their TVs because you, if there was one episode that focused on a real world cast member who only wanted to watch TV. And wouldn't get in any trouble. <laughs> so what the fuck good yeah. is he? And yeah, it, what's... it is interesting to compare this. Yeah, the they're just being normal versus you know the we're just being normal reality shows now because they the producers don't incite them enough. Yes, and so we we do get to see they're actually kind of dumb and boring. The the most famous thing to come out of Newlyweds, Nick and Jessica, the thing that hit the zeitgeist. Do you remember what that was? Oh yes, Chicken of the Sea. Yes. And that is someone reading a tuna can. That is how little the Kardashians, they ship them off to like ranches and have them like herd seals like on their reality show. So they're like giving them things to do that result in interesting footage. This isn't that. If you remember the Osbournes, like how much of that was about how much Ozzy hated the remote? (laughs) Oh my God. How did we watch this stuff? Oh, to be the Scrooge McDucks of free time. This reality show era sucked. Oh yeah, no, I I found I think I watched. Did I watch an episode? Of, I feel like I must have watched an episode of Newlyweds, and I did find it very fascinating that it is obviously very contrived and not reality, but also nothing's really happening, mm-hmm. and it just really underlined how detached these people are from reality. Jessica Simpson, in particular, because she's been a child star. So she doesn't understand when you like accidentally, you know, hit the you're moving furniture and you hit the wall and now there's a hole in the wall. She has no idea what you do about that. Mm. She thought like you have to replace the walls in the house now because these are people who are totally human because they've <laughs> lived in a weird bubble. I, I, and it it's fascinating. We are going to talk about a, a reality thing in 2013 that ends up pulling this off a lot better but like i never understood why anyone would watch this because they live in a really big house and they're very boring and they don't appreciate what they have yes that's, that's the, it it was that, it, it was mostly it. like uh here are these famous people but like it, i know it's just my opinion but nick and jessica were like pretty manufactured celebrities like yes. none of their songs really took off they were on mtv a lot like i don't care about these people no, like ozzy osbourne's a fucking legend 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, but then also people hate watched it. They love yeah. to hate watch it. I mean, that because they're so dumb. Yeah. And Jersey Shore is still on for that reason. People like to hate watch. People like to watch glamorous people do glamorous things. And it just, mm-hmm. it never ceases to bum me out how like, uh, there are plenty of other ways for young people to waste their time and or find <laughs> guidelines to what they're into. And just that MTV gave all that up. Like it's, and and even that complaint is old enough to drink and the complaint about the music videos is almost old enough to run for president. Like it's, (laughs) it just didn't change. Like I always say that it it changed in my era for, to like jackass, Tom Green, like really fun stuff. Beavis and Butthead, the state. I have a ton of positive memories of these MTV shows. I love their identity. Uh, Now it's just one show over and over now. It's it, 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 sacrificed being influential for minute-to-minute TV ratings of a glorified America's Funniest Home Videos. And it, oh, oh, it just, oh, it bumps me out. And MTV was really good about filtering Nazis. Didn't let a lot of Nazis on their platform to <laughs> to warp your kids' brains. Uh, can't say that for YouTube. Can't say that for your TikToks and your Facebooks. Anyway, MTV... No, but if VM- I just eat raw liver and do $10,000 worth... <laughs> Of steroids every week. Yes. I'll be a real man. Oh, yeah. And and, and I remember the, the other biggest, most notable thing here, because it was absolutely nuts at the time. It, it The show opens with Britney Spears, Madonna, and Christina Aguilera doing this medley with Missy Elliott, which is always like forgotten in this, because Madonna didn't open mouth kiss them on stage, which at the mm. time was like, oh, my God. It was so, oh my God, it still hurts me for some reason. She open mouth kisses Britney, audience goes crazy, and the camera cuts to Justin Timberlake's reaction, and you almost entirely miss Christina Aguilera getting the same open mouth kiss. That was more important than seeing this happen to Christina Aguilera. Was seeing, and I maybe it kind of was in hindsight, but. <laughs> well, he wins uh, best male video for Cry Me a River, which seems very pointedly about Britney. So. <laughs> Is I understand. I, I, then. Yeah, I, I really feel like the cameraman was on. He was ready, fucking ready. He saw rehearsals and that guy was in place. It just, it, 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 I was still watching uh, MTV at this time and it felt like they still had one foot in the music culture. We're still influential in that area. And um, who who else won here? Uh, oh, Missy Elliott won Missy for, Elliott. for video of the year. Coldplay, Beyonce, best new artists, our opener, 50 Cent for In The Club, because he's got like a billion singles this year. And uh, yeah, maybe this is just a more of an era I can understand because I lived through it, but it just, I watched one of those MTV, I watched one of the MTV awards during the pandemic and it was fucking awkward. Like there wasn't (laughs) a vibe, there wasn't really anything to mention because MTV doesn't mean anything for the, uh, the other 8 billion hours a year. Like to this thing it's very strange very strange and johnny cash (laughs) gets somebody gets an award for director of photography in his hurt video how about that fucking well deserved i should have won everything um i feel like i could write my entire phd dissertation on the gender dynamics of the madonna britney christina number because britney and christina are basically wearing wedding dresses Mm -hmm. in emulation of Madonna's famous like a virgin thing which is like a huge moment in the early MTV yeah and that Madonna is dressed very masculine top hat and very commanding of the situation it's 
it's a lot and i am on board for it and mm-hmm. everyone pissed this oh, this is supposed to be for children it was basically like if you don't remember this it was pretty much the same reaction janet jackson's boob got a couple of years later yeah of just like i can't this has destroyed the children and what are we teaching them and oh my god it's horrible i forget we were trying to shut up we were trying to nail it down but like somewhere in the the previous decade was the first uh woman on woman kiss on television um i think think it was that episode of roseanne no uh, maybe it was the man on man kiss because that was more in the 92 it was la law I think LA yeah. Law got the first woman one, but barely beating. And it was controversial time. enough to not be repeated very often yeah. uh, until even even ten years later. So it was yeah, still bizarrely shocking to see two women make out the kind of thing you'll see right. now by going to any bar. And yeah, <laughs> but two women who, in this context, are coded with interesting gender things, but are mm. also we know their re- relationships. They can't get away from it. We know that these women are all straight. Mm. Still pretty exciting. So, I thought it was fucking great, and everyone is a jerk, and I don't care. You know? <laughs> like, cut, cut your pearls all you damn well want. It won't be our last uh, controversial VMA award. Oh, God. Um, in, this, in this episode, not but in this segment, it will be. But I'm... <laughs> If you can't tell, I'm stalling because of how little we talked about the movies. I just want to talk more about MTV because uh, <laughs> all we got left are the gams. And the gams are uh, pretty fun, too, outside of Bombastic on PS2. Um, uh, it's a – you control a small devils and you go around a level oh. that's isometric. Perfect for my new two, 3D emotion engine. Uh, but uh, – <laughs> Also, the the bizarre legacy of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in this era with decently reviewed games. Maybe that's almost over with Chaos Bleeds on PS2 and Xbox. Mm. Um, so this is the last Buffy the Vampire game we're going to get that's a big game. There's a couple of mobile whatever. But this is the last time it's like we're trying for the big guns with your full-on Buffy the Vampire world. This is set in Season 5 interesting choice yeah. it doesn't continue the plot and you know it's got uh 25 percent of the voice actors <laughs> <laughs> from the original buffy series will you be able to so tell from this couple... clip buffy where's tara she was helping anya with the inventory this place was already pretty vamp infested when we got here we have to find them fast sander you take the training room spike head down to the basement willow and i'll keep them busy in here we will you're the slayer but hello just willow here will you're a witch totally witchy and we're in a magic shop is that, is that sarah michelle geller no no good lord no and, and, okay, okay so allison hannigan just sounds like a woman who's out of breath no i was gonna say allison hannigan sounds but okay so that's not her because that was my question it's like that sounds like her character from the American Pie movies. <laughs> <And> I'm <laughs> waiting for the line. <laughs> they were kind of, except the American Pie gave her some happiness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the game uh, itself is, eh, it's not that great. I think the previous Buffy game was better, but we really need a full-on AAA open-world Buffy game reboot. You know, just set it in the Buffyverse, like The Witcher... You go around doing your quest as the new Slayer in the new Sunnydale or in the old Sunnydale, if you can write Sarah Michelle Gellar a large enough check and just 
completely reboot it. I mean, yeah, like open world video game. It's perfect for it. There's so many demons you can fight, so many uh, adventures you can go on before you solve whatever is the the main adventure. When I when I was getting into the games industry, it felt like there were a lot more film and TV franchises that were finding renewed life, at least momentary life in video games. And now it's just like that is so much more expensive. A streamer would probably rather have a reunion season. Uh, yeah, it's like, like very unlikely to happen, but it feels like it should because we wouldn't have situations like, you know, an 80-year-old Harrison Ford in Indy 5. They could be there forever ages and still sound like themselves. Ugh. Anyway, AI will make it all happen eventually. Uh, I would love to. Yeah, Actually, uh, I don't know if you saw um, there's a Kurt Russell movie coming out where they figured out the de-aging technology. It turns out what you really need to do is have a kid with Goldie Hawn 30 years ago. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Mm, yes. And then you can just, you kill it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy because, yeah, why why it looks so much like his dad. Like, I really see it. So Yeah, yeah, I see it uh, too. Yeah, they're going to play the same character. Um, and uh, that is about it for 2003. So, oh, oh, wait, no, Next, no, sorry. Except for, for the big one. The big oh, one, the... It, 20th anniversary of the death of F-Zero, <laughs> F-Zero <laughs> GX. Uh, what is this, part of uh, the Triforce series of games? I, I don't know. I can tell you, though, that this is the number one on literally every list I saw of best F-Zero games. Yeah. Like, it, it, so if you have to go out, go out on a high note. It's, uh, But I think it was some joint... Wasn't this the joint venture with... Uh, Namco and Sega, and there was an arcade game, mm -hmm. and there's a, a adjacent uh, GameCube game, and it also is the reason why we're pretty sure Nintendo doesn't like it because the well, the evolution. The reason is Nintendo does not like it is because of Mario Kart makes all the money in the world. Mario Kart is consistently the biggest seller on every Nintendo system. Mm -hmm. It beats you know your. Uh, Mario Sunshines, your Mario Odysseys. Mario Kart is the system seller for many, many people for Nintendo. So they just put all their eggs in that Mario I, Kart I, basket. I know we've said talked about this before. I would argue that's obviously a factor. It is. But like the only way for F-Zero to evolve was like fidelity. And in this case, difficulty. It's really hard. There aren't hard Nintendo games. It's Okay, so... I played this game uh, in preparation for mm -hmm. this, and I am the first person to ever make this comparison between one game and another. But this <laughs> is the Dark Souls yeah. of racing games. It's, it's no rough. one else has made that comparison. It's rough. And, and <laughs> I, I think that's what Nintendo doesn't like. They're, this game launched with no universal, with, without the universal appeal of most first party Nintendo games. Counterpoint, Metroid. Mm -hmm. Metroid can be a very hard game, yeah. and it's got its niche. And I feel like in 2003, F-Zero was on track to be another Metroid franchise. Not, you know, like the most uh, successful Nintendo franchises. Sure. Metroid fans, it's not. Yeah. Um, um, but it was on track to be just like, this is a niche market for people who like speed, people who like trying it again and again to get better, to shave that one-tenth of a second off the course, because there's no blue shells here. Mm -hmm. This is just pure skill. And, and also people who like anime. 
Because <laughs> there's a thousand characters in this game, and they all have voices. <laughs> yes, this did have that wonderful early 2000s voice acting in it. Oh, no. The next race is going to start. Hey, where do you think you're taking me? Still alive, it seems, but I won't miss this chance to make mincemeat of you. <laughs> Black Shadow, I'll show you. You'll never beat me. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's. And that, that music, I can't take out that music. That's part oh, yeah. of the cutscenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it, but I, I still really like this game and that it's not. I, I just love it. This was re released and just, you know. It's frame rate and capabilities unlocked on modern platforms. So you don't have to do anything mm -hmm. else to it. it, it uh, VR. So one yeah. of the things I did when I got my Oculus Rift mm -hmm. uh, was I got the emulator that transformed a GameCube games into VR. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I almost hurled my cookies <laughs> playing this game. Wow. In VR. <laughs> it is in because you can using a couple codes you can switch to first person and you're like racing so incredibly fast that yeah you better take some dramamine before you play this game in vr but it holds up and i really think nintendo is missing the bolt on this i yeah. know i'm the only person to ever want a new f-zero game but nintendo i know you're listening just make it happen if nothing else make it a uh, battle royale game just have it be online. Look at that. Uh, this game has a free idea. 16 racers against you. Just make it 99 racers on a online match, and whoever is the winner wins. You know, like those uh, Mario games or Tetris. Like a Fall Guys. Uh, it, but it, it, yeah, I, I, I don't. I just don't know how you get deader than 20 years. I know I've been al alive a long time, but <laughs> a 20-year-old gone franchise is pretty gone and unsavable on the other hand falcon punch falcon punch <laughs> yeah i know but that's that's it that is all most kids know about f-zero and and the, the the track in mario kart 8 which is amazing is amazing but yeah i don't see them focusing any resources for a big f-zero game you're pro we're probably just gonna have to enjoy limited appearances uh but oh, you know uh Give it out to some third-party company. Just say, yeah. hey, third-party company, uh, this is a license. Make something cool. Yeah, I, I can't just do, trying to do the math off the top of my head. This is just one of Nintendo's deader franchise franchises. <laughs> <laughs> like everything Dude. else is, there's been something in the last 10 years, and there is nothing here. Even um, Donkey Kong's got some stuff. Huh? Earthbound is very Earthbound. dead. That's true. But it got a, it got a translation a few years, like about, 10 years ago so even that has had more love anyway moving on to the, well the end of the segment uh we'll close yeah. out with some warren zevon featuring bruce springsteen yeah. ask your parents uh well with, i i feel like i mean it's appropriate because warren zevon it's his last album and he's got literally like a week and a half left on this earth at this point he is very sick with cancer mm -hmm. and i like the uh that we're talking about the very first letterman cbs show yeah. at the same time because he loved having he, loves on. he would have him on as just the one guest and they just like tell funny stories and play funny songs and yeah get into warren zevon children i think you'll be surprised it's werewolves of london is a fun one you dance when you play in pool obviously mm -hmm. but fun guy All interesting right. guy well have a listen to him but we'll be right back with the final segment of 30 2010 don't go anywhere disorder in the house the time runneth over 
plaster falling down in pieces by the couch of pain. Disorder in the house. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watch it. And for the week of August 25th through 31st, unlike the rest of the show, we have some all-time fucking bangers in Classic Corner I'm very happy about. Let's go all the way back to 1933. 90 years ago is a movie that, yes, is still actually watchable now. It's Dinner at Eight. Uh, starring Reed Dressler, John Barrymore, Wallace Beery, Gene Harlow, Lionel Barrymore. That's uh, Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life, back when uh, you didn't have to use a wheelchair. Uh, Billy Burke, who is Glinda the Good Witch. Have you ever seen her in something else? Well, now you can. So uh, Dinner at Eight, it's very obviously based on a stage play that was very popular with really snappy, fun dialogue with George F. Kaufman and Edna Ferber. And it's about just this fancy old lady who's trying to have a big fancy society dinner party. That's it. That's the whole setup. And it's just about all the different people trying to get their shit together and come to this party. And who does she want there? And who doesn't she want there? And yeah, dinner at eight, a 90 year old comedy, totally fucking watchable. I, I, yes, there are laugh out loud things that are that freaking old. Then moving forward, ever so slightly uh 75 years ago 1948 i'm still gobsmacked that this movie came out in 1948 because it is so it seems like it would be very controversial alfred hitchcock's rope starring james stewart farley granger and john Dahl. first of all massive coded homosexuality it's hard to watch it and not see it because it is based on the leopold and Loeb murders which were these two guys who just killed a third guy just to see if they get away with it really for kicks baby and that's what this is it is about these two guys who are pretty coded gay who kill a classmate hide him in the apartment and then throw a party and we'll see if uh, people figure out what's going on for 1948 in particular that's pretty hardcore just the idea of there being murder for fun <laughs> is like oh they they don't allow that sort of thing in movies back then. They don't, everyone had, every bad thing has to be punished by the law. It is 100% required. So to have a movie about a thrill killing, very controversial. Also for fans of long takes, this is the first movie really that is based entirely on long takes. They're, they're all 10 minute shots with breakaway uh, sets and stuff so they can move the camera around. Remember the camera's like the size of a fucking refrigerator. And they are moving it around to just keep these long, continuous takes. Think about eight of them, because 10 minutes is all they could fit on a roll of film at the time. That's the biggest roll they got. So, it, and they hide the cuts pretty well. You can see them now. Obviously, they don't hide them as well as something like Birdman. But Rope is just interesting, tense, fun from a fan filmmaking standpoint. Very just fascinating to see how do you keep it all going in just these these long shots in this enclosed space as they figure out what's going on in this apartment. So, yep, big recommend for Rope. 75 years old, moving up to 70 years old for 1953, a movie I cannot stop recommending. I know I'm going long for this classic corner because, oh my God, Roman Holiday. Oh my God, <laughs> Roman Holiday. One of the best rom-coms of all time. Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn, directed by William Wyler. 
Screenplay by basically everyone who got blacklisted, Dalton Trumbo, Ian McKellen Hunter, and shot on location in Rome, which I am such a sucker for, classic movies that are shot on location, because they're such incredible time capsules. So you want to see what 53 Rome looks like, where everyone's riding Vespas, but the men all still wear hats mostly, and like everyone's smoking and drinking coffee and going, ciao, this is your movie. It's been ripped off like a trillion times because it is such a perfect rom-com. She's literally a princess who wants to see how regular people live, runs away, starts hanging out with a journalist. That's usually a recipe for disaster, and I say that as a journalist. Oh my god, Roman Holiday, one of the best date movies of all time. Y'all should watch it right now. You will be charmed. And then, last but not least, 50 years ago, this week in 1973, we lost one of the greatest directors of all time, and it's not just me saying that. The greatest directors of all time, I'll say it. John Ford passed away. He was 79. He looked 150. That man was born a million years old, but literally one of the best filmmakers of all time. Kind of a terrible person. Cranky, misogynistic, pretty racist. Very rude to baby Steven Spielberg, <laughs> but did look a lot like J David Lynch. I, I, the Fablements, I just lost my shit. That was, that was so appropriate, but go watch a, a John Ford movie. I mean, obviously he's best known as the King of the Westerns, Stagecoach, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Darling Clementine, The Searchers, masterpieces every single one. But also he made movies about like working class folks, uh, The Long Way Home, Grapes of Wrath, How Green Was My Valley, The Quiet Man, all super duper winners. None of them too long, none of them too boring. They just, he knows where to put a camera and he knows how to keep it moving. So yep, go watch a John Ford movie, God damn it. And that's it for this week, stay classic. And I sure would like some sweet company And I'm leaving tomorrow, what do you say? When I'm Coming to 2013 with Cups, uh, Pitch Perfect's When I'm Gone, uh, by Anna Kendrick, who debuted just 10 years ago. Now she's on the charts. Good for her. Uh, that movie came out almost a year ago. Wow. What? Pitch Perfect was that popular. It came out a year oh, ago. Oh, right. Oh, and it's now it's hitting the charts? Everything else from it has already come and gone. Wow. But it is still putting things on the charts. Wow. Um, yes, how things change, how things stay the same. I teased it earlier, man. Other new music release releases from August 25th to the 31st. Ten years ago in 2013, Hotel Cabana by Naughty Boy, Right Thoughts, Right Words, Right Action by Franz Ferdinand, Hall of Fame by Big Sean, Age Against the Machine by Goody Mob, uh, Love is the Future <laughs> by John Legend, and Hesitation Marks by Nine Inch Nails, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke featuring T.I., and Pharrell is still number one, and I think is about to wear out its welcome in this segment. Soon. Mm -hmm. What will it be to knock off blurred lines, and how long will it take? Uh, yes, we will talk about that in just a moment. A little bit of news to bring you into the wonderful world of 10 years ago. This week, uh, all tw 25,000 applicants at the University of Liberia failed their university entrance exam. <laughs> Is it one of the? Okay. Is it one of those things at the very end? And he's like, "Now don't turn this in." Or, <laughs> <laughs> oh, now to be fair, they just had a civil war that ended last week. Okay, 
that probably has something to do with why people's educations are not doing great right now. But I want my my landscaping major to start now. It's the perfect time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, they head of the university said we have very strict guidelines about who gets in and none of you passed so our freshman class is going to be zero and then the president of liberia pulled him aside and said that ain't gonna happen jack yeah Mm -hmm. what the hell is the what the fuck is the point and you're still getting government money you have to be you can't just let nobody in lower the bar that's what we do that's i think that's what they did they just kind of took like the the top of whatever they had and was like all right let's you know give them some remedial classes to get everyone to where they could pass it like that's, come on that's how i would have made it on the top of the bottom baby uh exactly. also this week like i i got a d plus mm-hmm. yep, uh, you're expected and i tried uh china and this also this week also china and russia walk out of a u.n security council meeting i'm assuming hand in hand after the U.S. pushes for immediate action against serious use of chemical weapons. Yeah, you know, anytime Russia and China are on the side of some geopolitical event, you know it's just above board and very moral. Mm-hmm. This is this is where you take a stand? Yeah, mm-hmm. they took the stand on, use those chemical weapons against civilians. Go on. Mm-hmm. I don't understand at all. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't paying attention at all back then. Get your own people someday. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just don't know how you like. Maybe don't vote on it. You walk out like a, I don't know, like a. Eh, yeah. What if there's another way? You, but you. Yeah. No, we're gonna do this. We we th- these are part of our contingency plans. We are against <laughs> being told not to I'm, use chemical weapons on our own people. I'm kind of huh. surprised they walked out instead of just vetoing it because they mm-hmm. both have a veto that just shut everything down. Right. In the UN Security Council, they're you- they're two of the members that. Just yeah, <laughs> you need all of them on board. Either they had one to make a show. Like, nope. Yep, make a thing out of it. Make a show, and oh my okay. god, do it with some pizzazz. Oh my god, the movies this week, the movies this hey. week. But oh my god, look, look. Okay, the movies this week are such a mess that the third highest at the box office this week is a Mexican movie. that's and now it is a massive hit in mexico and in america and the spanish-speaking things but it's not like mexican avengers okay it's not something that's like such a spectacle it's just a light comedy and that's how bad this week is and the movie i was most excited to see that started my 2013 research with was something jr teased and i i vaguely remembered why and i'm like it's almost mad at you at the end. Like, this is such a deeply unpleasant film. Like, not a bad film, but a very unpleasant film that I like, I'm going to warm up some pizza and just get a beer. Can't wait to watch 50 When cent- I teased, were you thinking, oh boy, I can't wait for this life-affirming serial killer true story. I think I was, it was vague. You were just like, I know we're going to watch Surviving the Game soon. JR said there's a real one. Oh boy, 50 Cent, Dean Norris, John Cusack, Vanessa Hudgens, and Nicolas Cage in Frozen Ground, a movie I have like never heard of. And uh, mm. it's so Nicolas Cagey with John Cusack playing one of the most brutal on-screen serial killers I've ever seen that I almost, I admire, like John Cusack, I, this is not a role I think you, I would assume you'd take, but I still wanted it to be Nicolas Cage, and they swap roles instead. No. Um, 
I know. Yeah. I, so, I think he nailed it. I think he yeah. expertly played the serial killer who's just, you know, a jerk, low key family <laughs> man who's a little quiet, keeps to himself. There's something a little off about him. I could never put my finger on it. Very rigid. Hmm. Maybe it's he's kidnapping and hunting women. Kidnapping and hunting women. And, and yeah. I think the so, way JRT's did it is we talked about Hard Target and what is the only movie said, based on a real world this, case of this? This is as close as we have to a documented case of the most dangerous game. Mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Robert, he, Robert Hansen, who's that's a name you should know if you listen to true crime podcasts, because he's one of the most fucked up individuals that ever lived. Um, is that the name of the killer guy? Yes, yeah. Robert Hansen. <sighs> yeah, he was a guy. He lived in Alaska. Um, and uh, he was a serial rapist. He targeted, of course, sex workers because no one seems to notice or care when they're missing. And he killed at least 17 of them. That's why when I say unpleasant, there's that, that hint and, of the movie. Yeah. Not only is some of this depicted, it's like the police are aware of this guy. And like, you don't want to go after this dude. This is a, a giant case loser. Um, don't uh, we tried this already? Don't don't bother. There wasn't a ton of evidence. Yeah, but yeah. He he got on people's radars because the sex worker was like, "I need him," and they're like, "Nah, he's got an alibi and he looks like such a schmuck. Who cares? Whatever." And yeah, I appreciate that. That seems to be underlined in the movie of just like they weren't believing women because yes. they were sex workers. And he, he was and praying. That's he, how people get away with killing sex workers. He, he was disappearing women by preying on disappeared women. And yep. it's uh, just such utterly depressing subject matter. I can't call the movie bad at all. But well done. Yeah, Okay, yeah. this is actually my biggest recommend of the week. I think this wow. is objectively... what? What's the other contenders, Diana? Briscoe County I, Junior Pilot? That's yeah. not a movie. I, okay, well, I would say it's a movie. This is the most well-done movie yeah. this week. It's not... Wow. An uplifting film, no. but I think it's well done. I think it's well acted. I think it's well scripted. It it, it does what it sets out to do well. Yeah, and, and okay. even has like, like little bits of the wire. Like I got to go meet up with Vice, and Vice is like giving him advice, like uh, blah blah blah. This is gonna go like just you see like people, not cynical, but like fortified against the fucking horrors of their job on every aspect of it, bringing people to justice in this world of crimes against sex workers. And what, what do you call them? Most of the women are runaways, right? They're, they're underage yeah. girls who people are looking yeah, for them. Are, and yeah. there's just like and no that, mechanism and, to help them at all. Yeah. And that's part of why so many serial killers target sex workers is because they might've run away. Maybe they moved to another town. Maybe they just aren't talking. They, they moved and they're not talking to their old friends. Yeah, because they, they, they're already, you know, don't have solid roots in the community. The cops can just be like, yeah, she probably just left. I did have the minor complaint, JR, of like, we are dealing with some very hard subject matter. And then it'll just be like strip club nudity and like don't talk to that portion of my brain or balls right now i don't want those crossed over in any way uh don't do that put the put the clothes back on the ladies i'll get that it's a strip club i'll understand it's it's very readable and she yeah. looks so fucking young and i didn't bother that's the point though i know it's, it's just awful that. it's awful i hate it but you're right it's like Every once in a while, there's a shot of the 
Australian wilderness. Like that's gorgeous. God damn it. Um, yeah, but uh, hunting women for sports is that being too generous? No, that's no. an accurate, objective statement of what this serial killer did. Mm. Mm. I don't know. He seemed to like kind of hobble him first and had a very big advantage. But I guess most hunters do on unarmed yeah. deer. Yeah, um, at least I'll, I will give the hard target guys that they wanted to hunt veterans with experience. Yeah. This guy, he's obvious. It's it's not really hunting; it's executing. Yeah, it prolonged and deeply uncomfortable. But I, I can't yeah. say I can't say it's a bad movie. And um, yeah. man, I hate I hate to tell. Anything else in Frozen Ground, Jr. I just, it's a good recommend if you like serial killer films. This yeah. is a true story that handles the subject matter well. Yeah. yeah, I just I think it's so neat to see ten years exactly where where does Foodie go? He's yeah. producing this. Yeah, cool, good for him. And uh, I had just to know this crop was bad. I had a friend over trying to combine my time. I got to watch some of these movies for research. Julia Stiles, Harry and Hines, Anna Marie Duff, Kenneth Cranham, Jim Broadbent, Rizamed, uh, Isaac Hempstead Wright, Rebecca Hall, Eric Bana, and Closed Circuit. Read the description, and the person who does not have my job says, that sounds like lethally boring. Like, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Three. Three? Yeah. Three. That's what I thought. Oh, I mean, my it's- God. It's a tech thriller that there was a, a bombing and they think it's this guy, but oh, what if he was set up because it turns out he's actually an informant. So maybe he was set up by the real guys. And so I like all of these people and uh, every review I read was just like, dude, no, just it's, they don't find a way to keep it interesting. It's just like I, I predicted where it was going and it had plot holes. You could drive a truck through. Well, mm-hmm. that's a bummer. And the one I was most looking forward to and didn't get to, John Voight, Selena Gomez, oh, no. and Ethan Hawke in Getaway. <laughs> like, <laughs> this movie should be so good. It yeah. sucks so hard. I know. Four. Four. Yes. Wow. This I predicted. Okay. There's going to be yeah. one more in here, isn't there? Yeah, there is one more. Uh, I'll <laughs> leave it up to you to guess which I, one. I, I, but, but yeah, this is just such a by-the-numbers film and it's it's trying to be so gimmicky and you know it reminded me of this i saw this movie about a bus that had to speed (laughs) around a city keeping its speed over 50 and if its speed dropped it was it would explode i think it was called the bus that couldn't this movie should have been called the hawk that couldn't slow down and (laughs) first of all don't call it getaway because now i'm thinking about both versions of the getaway that i I would rather be watching than this yeah and uh, well the google doesn't seem to you wanted the steve mcqueen one right like yes but no yes no no so ethan hawk's wife gets kidnapped and john voight calls him on the phone and is like you have to do all these things to get your wife back so it's kind of phone booth meets saw, but you have to call. solve a ninety-minute puzzle before I'll release your wife. This better be, this better get right. a good Senate score, or she's dead. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I would like to see a modern version of that, where the guy has caller ID, and any unknown number just automatically goes to one of those apps that does a false recording. You know, where it's like <laughs> tricking the people who are calling you, where it's like, "I'm an old man, I can't hear well. Speak up." What? <laughs> 
What? All you gotta what? do is the Die Hard with a Vengeance thing. You can do that, but make sure it's a plot to distract from your real crime. And they do that. Yeah, they do they do, do that by the end. But yeah, so yeah. right, Ethan Hawks, uh, break into that car. Now steal that car and go do this. No, uh, smash into that truck. Do that, do this. Selena Gomez ends up coming along for the ride and he's like, "I that was all planned. I'm evil John Voight on the phone. Uh, and once That's again, John, John Voight, Voight like if you applied yourself to any other kind of plan, like a mm-hmm. business plan, you'd be fine. Yeah, You'd be totally fine. I'm going <laughs> to take over Chia Pet and add a licensing agreement to Chia Pet and thereby increase their profits. There you go. Suddenly, I have made $50 million. Yeah. Or at least you have like yeah. a good pension or something, like a good 401k. Yeah. Like, fuck's sake. Yeah. yeah. But there, there's yeah. just car chase after car chase in this film. Now, have and not either... Well, not well shot or edited, by the way. The no. editing on this is especially bad. Have either of you ever been in a high-speed car chase? <sighs> No. Yes. Can't say that I have. Oh. I mean, not not like with the. Have I run from the police? I don't think so. But like you know, first two years of our licenses, small town, not a lot for kids to do. You fuck around with cars, you do. We yeah. did. See, I similar. Mm-hmm. I was in a high speed car chase, uh, with the asterisk that it was the stupidest high-speed car chase in the history of the planet mm-hmm. <laughs> okay i was 17 newly got my license i was applying to universities and because i'm a huge procrastinator it was the last day i ran to the post office to get in my application in time the post office had just closed guy in front of me was like "Ah, oh, darn i need to mail this i'll just go to the other post office that is open i was like okay cool He gets in his car. I get in my car without talking to him about it. I decide I'm going to start following him. (laughs) So he starts going down the highway. I start following him. I'm a 17 year old, super dumb. So I'm like following him ridiculously close. He starts swerving in between cars, probably thinking what's going on here. Some guy is on my ass this whole time. He swerves. I follow him in a swerve and then he's probably thinking, holy fuck, what the shit is going on here? He starts booking it down the highway, 60, 70, 80. We're hitting 90 on I-5 and I'm just following him going, wow, this guy must really want to get to the uh, post office very fast before it closes." And then he swerves off onto an on-ramp and at that point, I'm like, oh shit, I'm being a dumbass here. I was in a high school. But I had been (laughs) swerving in and out with a guy I never knew because I was trying to get to the post office because I didn't know the directions and I didn't ask them. All you had to do, like, hey, bro, can I follow you? Yeah. I was 17. I was a huge dumbass. Yeah. And and that's how you didn't get into the University of Liberia? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because you lost the car chase. That's why most everyone got rejected. (laughs) <laughs> Never won a car chase. <laughs> oh, is he getaway got yeah. us something good? At least that story. Fucking, fucking getaway. No. Uh, yeah, Ethan Hawke. We, we've talked about a bunch, but in 2013, he's making really smart choices and interesting. And nope, they can't all be perfect. <laughs> this one is a. 
it, there's a way that this could have worked. It's definitely not this movie. This movie was wicked stupid and gross. And let's move on. And the one I wish I would have watched, the most well-reviewed of this segment, at least. Um, yes. <laughs> also a foreign film, uh, Loretto Peralta, Jessica Lindsay, and ooh, Eugenio uh Der, Derbez? How do I say the Z there? Yeah, Derbez. Derbez. He's, he's from Mexico, you say the Z. Yeah. Yes. Uh, instructions not included and no say aseptic. De- I'm not doing that. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's weird is, yeah, the English the English title is instructions not included, but the Spanish title is returns not accepted. Oh. Which, like, those are really different titles. What are you doing? Um, yeah. I, I was happy to see Eugenio Derbez breaking into the North American, well, the American market. Yeah, in a, in a market movie he wrote so and, and directed. And I you're, I yeah. was shocked to see this, like, at the last minute. Like, this made $100 million. So, yeah. at the domestic a, box office. A, yes. Yeah, it was a huge, I think it might be one of the highest, it's definitely one of the highest grossing foreign films to open in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I think it might be the highest grossing Spanish language movie in North America history wow it's that's pretty incredible yeah. especially for like someone like me to have never heard of it before and mm-hmm. uh i feel fucking terrible I, I didn't get around to watching it i just kept thinking of safety not guaranteed i've seen that um, oh yeah and, so I mean, you, you might have seen eugenio derbez in stuff oh yeah he's uh, in a I ton mean, of stuff yeah he's in coda he's in and jack mm-hmm. and jill for some reason and uh <laughs> Uh, Dalmatians. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a huge star in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I, another one I didn't get around to, uh, but it sounds like a fun story in that, you know, it was about a guy who unexpectedly becomes a father. First, you know, he's he's a playboy, then he becomes a father, then like he really adapts to being a father, and then oh no, the mothers come back, and what are we gonna do? And no, but I love her, please don't take her away, and then uh, you know, we we work out our issues. There we go. That sounds cute. Totally. That, that sounds very very cute. Yeah, instructions not included. Wish I would have <laughs> watched it instead of even watching the trailer, which we'll make sure to let you hear. Uh, <laughs> Liam Payne, uh, Zane Zane uh, Milik. I haven't oh. heard these. Are, I'm hearing a lot of like all but one of these names for the first time. Uh, all of the all of the children are screaming. Yeah, right I know. Now. Uh, I'll say Louis Tomlinson. That's probably how you say his name. No, it's not Louis. Yeah. Oh, I want to mispronounce no, correct. it. Correct, Louis. Yeah. Uh, Niall Horan and uh, Harold Styles. Harold Styles. Uh, it's number one at the box office this week. You're going to get murdered. You're going Fine. to get all murdered. So this is how I want to go out: murdered by one of the audience. <laughs> uh, one Direction. This is us. Coming to cinemas, the band that captured a nation is taking the world by storm. I don't know if you could have more of a dramatic life change. We never expected any of this to happen. We're normal people doing this abnormal job. Hey, keep their lens up here. One Direction, This Is Us in 3D. Hey, only in cinema. I've recognized the song now. That's the best song ever yeah. in the trailer. Yeah. It, it is, yeah. So <sighs> I... First of all, I, I don't think I appreciated at the time how huge One Direction became, how quickly they were formed on the British show The X Factor in 2010. Wow. They was, lost. And they These lost. These were yeah. losers who didn't win a reality competition. And... 
Five, by the way. Five. This is my fifth noped out film after half an hour because, oh my God, is there not a film here? This is such a boring piece of propaganda fluff. I mean, (laughs) there. I've watched the Katy Perry movie for you listeners. That was more engaging than this. I, I would really love to see one of these propaganda films looked back on like 10 or 20 years later where they're just completely honest and go like, here's all the footage we cut out of us as 19 to 21 year olds banging our groupies every (laughs) single night because we are the most famous 19 to 21 year olds on the planet. Oh yeah. This is 2013's hard days night. Yeah. With this new footage. It's beautiful. Uh, It it also should be said it's, it's the concert. I don't want to call it the 3d craze, but shooting in 3d was like kind of the domain of the teen concert film. But I feel so bad because this is 3D of uh, a bunch of dudes walking around yeah. and pointing at things. It's yeah. not even interesting 3D. It's like I am standing in front of a wall. Wow, it's like I'm Are really on like- this bus asleep. Uh, great. Yeah, I, I. It is interesting to see that. Yes, we've had a bunch of these so far. There's Katy Perry, Justin Bieber. I think those have been the last couple of years. Miley Cyrus. It, Miley Cyrus, mm-hmm. Best of Both Worlds, yeah, and and they they do really well, and they are concert films, but also like behind the scenes hangout films of just the, they're fun adventures, and we feel like we get they to cost, know them, they and cost they always nothing. Try to, yeah, and I would I would, would wager this is where a lot of album, but like marketing budget goes into because it this oh, yeah. this cost less than a Will Smith music video. And mm-hmm. was was able to make sixty eight million dollars at the domestic U.S. box office. Yeah, they all try to throw in some sort of hard day's night thing. Mm. It's like the, the, it's, that's the first you know movie about a rock band, Ain't and I we cute. like have not haven't been able to get away from that since. But they don't and, even do it well. I would have loved to have seen trying. these guys mm-hmm. doing something. But it's like, wow, being famous is awesome. Hey, you know, sometimes famous isn't awesome, but it really is <laughs> there. That's the movie. Yeah. I mean, some of the behind the scenes stuff that I do like out of these movies is is to spend time on rehearsals because these shows are such massive undertakings to go into the giant screens and the dancers and the, the lights and all that, like the, the, how those things come yeah, together. And I how, how so well interesting than any of these people. How well do you have to sing live when you have four people covering for you? And you're dancing at the same yeah. time. Uh, yeah. Can we just all agree? I mean, I have nothing against One Direction. I have nothing. Just fine. Whatever. Could, could we just all watch Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping so good. and pretend? Because that movie didn't get the love it deserved. And it's very fuck, good. It's funny. It's very, very so, good. So funny. Uh, and I, I'm just more shocked than anything to see this. This is directed by Morgan Spurlock. Does he keep himself yes. out of the movie? I don't. No, I think so. Yeah, I would imagine that that really it's really going to sour the teenage lady boner. Throw in Morgan Spurlock. <laughs> that would be so funny. All right, Liam. The deal is you're going to eat McDonald's every day. And we're yes. going to film it <laughs> and see how you keep up with the other boys. Now, that would be to have a control group on that. That would have actually been interesting, Morgan. Mm. Oh, nope. can uh, we move I, on? I'm too old for it, this. We are, but can I say that? All of these 2013 
rock concert movies make me feel so old. Oh, yeah. Because I absolutely, in your hearts, if I say the band One Direction, don't you think that's a new band? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Quote, unquote, new. Yes. At my age, yeah. That's. I think I, I know better still new. to yeah. not reference them. But, yeah, they were like shorthand for what your kid was doing in SNL in like 2015. And so, yeah, that's the that's the only reason I know, though, because I couldn't tell you a One Direction song other than best song ever, because it is and it's about the best song. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and they're more longer lived than some, uh, you know, I mean, that, boy that, bands, they, they usually have one or two massive albums and then they end up. It's it's what I love highlighting in the at the fucking very next segment of the show in television. Twenty thirteen, August 25th to the 31st, 10 years ago. Uh the first big thing about the 2013 MTV VMAs is that NSYNC reunites for the first time in 11 years to perform on stage. NSYNC is old. Oh, <laughs> they are reuniting. And the thing that should never, ever happen the week they are nowhere near as relevant as One Direction. And yep. I believe, did I accidentally click an article that said NSYNC's reuniting for that Trolls movie? I wish I was dead. I, I'm too old to be. I'm too old to be here and doing this. Uh, but there was that was hardly the thing uh, that kept generating headlines. And no, also, was it was it that Justin Timberlake performance? Because that's part of why they're reuniting is because Justin Timberlake's getting like their equivalent of a lifetime achievement award and puts on like a long ass show, mm. which has become the only part of the VMAs I watch uh, afterwards. You know, like the Beyonce one was like the most epic concert I've ever seen, and it's like 10, 15 minutes long. No, that's not what people are talking about, unfortunately. No, no. Um, it it Lady Gaga does a strip tease. So, yes, you do get the, like, are, is this is what we're showing on television? I am clutching my pearl necklace that my husband gave me, and it was free. Um, and no, I'm sorry. I tried to squeeze a joke in there. But what I really like about this to tell you how what we're doing in society is that Miley Cyrus creates a controversy by twerking twerking uh, a dance done with a butt during a duet with Robin Thicke and it's uh, the, the the trajectory of Robin Thicke is hysterical because his song is what we would call now problematic mm-hmm. that song in general that video is problematic yeah, but I, I don't feel you're doing justice, justice to the full performance okay this is the pitch meeting Okay, this is Miley Cyrus going to the president of MTV and saying, I want to come out of a teddy bear wearing a nude illusion bikini and then put a foam finger on my hand while I hump Robin in a Beetlejuice outfit. Yes. (laughs) Beetlejuice fans have all cause to be upset. But more more than that, like I think it is important to mention because it's kind of hard to pinpoint. We are just starting to get like legit feminist criticism squeaking its way into the mainstream conversation. Or maybe I'm just more social active on social media then. We are also talking about cultural appropriation. And twerking feels like it's older than 10 years old, but to the people still watching the MTV VMAs, people were A, offended. And then we have the other people who were like, Robin Thicke is much older than this girl, and this song is already pretty lewd. Why the fuck is Miley Cyrus doing this? Is this is inappropriate for a lot of reasons, and Miley Cyrus is now taking a black dance 
and being the one to popularize it on mainstream television. And, and, and like, I read this great article, I forget where, about how blurred lines hurt everybody who touched it, except Pharrell, who wrote it. <laughs> everybody got sued. Robin Thicke's marriage is destroyed. His career is destroyed. Uh, yeah, this, I didn't get it at the time, but like reading about it now when people, like you read like deeper appropriation and feminist criticisms of it. Yeah. It's a kind of an uncomfortable moment for everybody. It's the wrong kind of heat, the wrong kind of controversy to generate. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think cause MTV is all about generating controversy at these things, but it pissed off the people who were watching and yeah, I mean, it, I found it frustrating because, yeah, a lot of people are like, I understand why they're very protective of Miley Cyrus because they've known her since she, they quote unquote know her since she was a little girl. She's 20. Yeah, she's but she's being very, she's, very, she's a provocative artist. Sexual. Artists are going to do what they're going to do. Yeah, she's 20. He's like 36. And mm. she is, I mean, not just like twerking. She's twerking on him. She's poking at his dick with the These, finger. This she can't. She you can't two hundred and fifty dollars in a strip club. Yep, minimum. <laughs> she, she can't keep her th- her tongue in her fucking mouth. It is just all out, all the fucking time. I, and I understand people being a little shocked to someone they think of as a cute little girl, you know, dancing to the song that is about um, not caring about consent. Yep, and and uh, and like we, I, I remember at the time, like yeah, Britney Spears wore a nude bikini and fucking humped a snake. But we, but like we were missing those criticisms from the mainstream conversation and this is this is i think what makes this show in particularly interesting how people responded to the vmas who are always trying to kick kick the hornet's nest of some controversy and i think they didn't know what they were they were going to get with this and 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 miley cyrus like had a weird amount of stuff to answer to like had to apologize i think and Mm -hmm. and robin thick didn't (laughs) Uh, bizarre, a very, very bizarre turn of events. It, it, like, cause when I, I saw it and like, yeah, I, I don't get it. That's happening all the time, but it's not, it wasn't happening on MTV because I grew up with controversial MTV. MTV had kind of like, we, we mostly market albums kids can buy. And this, what happened on this stage isn't happening in any of these music videos. That was, mm. I think that was what you were looking at. Again, I don't know. I wasn't really watching many music videos at the time, but I, I Not yeah, many I music videos with white girls in them. No, but even even yeah, there were some. No, there was definitely some uh, twerking goes. You know, it, I mean, in like there, rap videos. There's oh, at least there's twerking in, in like old Dre videos. It's just like yeah. not the focus. It's happening in the background, yeah. Yeah. or it's a really See, quick I, cut. I think Miley knew what she was doing. You know, she was a huge fan of Britney. She was a huge fan of Madonna. Both of those had very memorable VMA performances that got mm-hmm. backlash. Mm. So I thought, I think she thought she was going to get backlash, but I don't think she realized how much. Exactly. Yeah. And like not be asked to apologize by people who, people who tune into the VMAs to see something controversial. And uh, this was this was interesting. I mean, a, a lot of stuff like this was interesting in 2012 to 2014. Even for me, uh, dealing with criticism I'd never heard before because social media has given voices to all these people who never had one. And and again, she had to answer to appropriation. Twerking is not a white thing. Uh, you can uh, maybe that's a little cringe in hindsight, but it's 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 still valid. It's 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 worth pointing out. Why should she be the one to popularize this to white America? Yeah. How about she someone with a bigger big ass? Butt. Yeah. Yeah. She needs she needs a bigger butt. 
for proper twerking. You really want some jiggle. I, yeah, and you know, you got to give some credit just to to get to bring twerking into the mainstream. But then I set off Mike. Saw my friend's five year old twerk, and it was like fucking disturbing. Like how how culturally yeah. omnipresent this. It how is. do you even know what that is? <laughs> YouTube and parents who don't regulate their kids' screen time. I, I mean, mean, yes, it's it's, it's hard a to regulate. Sexual act, people. It mm-hmm. is. No, I know. I just yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to see that ever again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, that's it. Pretty much it for TV. It is a week week for TV. Um, yeah. I even looked, I, I even like went super deep and, and like, yeah, this is, this is it. MTV had the week to themselves and, uh, yeah, most of the new shows covered this for the next couple days, <laughs> uh, moving yeah. on to games of 2013. Holy fucking shit. Sorry. I, you know, I hate cursing <laughs> final fantasies 14, a realm reborn so this is like, it's like, all right, here's our second try at making the, that is 10 years old. This is the best apology. The, the apology in video game history. Update. Yeah. <laughs> we know we launched a little rough. This didn't have everything you'd associate with the sole other online Final Fantasy game, MMO. And as far as I know, this is when everybody told me, you need to play this game. I'm like, I like my life the way it is, and I don't want a game that wants to take my whole life away from me. And the game has... It's still... I'm still getting those recommendations because it keeps updating itself valiantly in a time of Final Fantasy 16, who I believe they're the same makers of this game. They're the ones who um, brought this game to life and shepherded it into something people would want to play. Because I don't remember exactly what was wrong with the first... the, the vanilla final fantasy 14 launch but uh by all accounts this fixed everything and it's still available and playable on every goddamn console and i've never gotten more recommendations for it 10 10 <laughs> years in between those recommendations jesus christ uh hey here's something else uh we can talk about changing the times it's it's not new to japan but i remember this getting like a lot of like mainstream news was hatsune muke miku hatsune miku uh, Project Diva F for PS3, the popularization of this non-existent pop star, huge in Japan, kind of making a splash in America. Never took off as big as I thought. I remember reading about her at the time, and mm-hmm. I was like, virtual stars, maybe that'll be a thing. Ten years later, mm-hmm. not so much, but I don't know. Not AI's here. taken off. Let's give exactly. it another ten years. Because the only uh, like fucking early AI band I can think of is gorillas and it, <laughs> I don't see a lot of like rule 34 breaking stuff with the gorillas team. Uh, there's no, there's no waifu pillow for whatever the blur guys character is. Uh, there probably is, but, uh, Oh, look at that. Lost planet three is out. Oh my God. Who wanted more of lost planet? Not many people. Cause I worked on this, uh, but, but it, it, it is a valiant attempt at, revitalizing the lost planet brand but it ended the lost planet it did because the last lost planet was kind of a series without a lot of identity the first game was part of that kind of amazing capcom stable of games that came out on early one of the first third-party games on new gen 360 platforms here's what this new machine can do you get this really weird snow set beautiful physics and vista third person shooter 
that gets into absolute anime nonsense with Lost Planet One, and they kind of just throw that all the way with with the second one. Like we want to make this feel a little more like Monster Hunter and squad based combat, and this is just another development team with way better acting. I might say that with some Western bias, but it was done with like mocap. All the actors who are voicing the characters are in motion capture units performing them as well. So it it looked very modern in that sense, but that wasn't a thing Lost Planet fans wanted or were asking for. They were asking, yeah. It kind of seems like 2013 wasn't a great year for Capcom. Other than DuckTales Remastered, which is a classic. Are you trolling me? No, I'm just saying that they didn't have a good 2013. I can confirm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was awful. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. A lot of weird projects. <sighs> Seeing the light of day. That's all I want to say about that right now. Who knows? Uh, but uh, Pokemon Rumble U is out on Wii U. Uh, Pokemon fans, you care, right? Isn't that isn't that where you like stick in your cards into the game and they fight in the game or something? But it's barely a game. I don't get this series. <laughs> it started as like WiiWare and then it grew and evolved and as, as I understand it, you have the, your Pokemon be Gachimon toys that come to life for some reason and fight. I don't get why you need that. Why not just have wild Pokemon fighting other wild Pokemon? I know. I just think the thing was like that happened on Nintendo's portable platforms and didn't happen on Nintendo's home consoles. It had to have some weird kind of integration or some gimmick in order to be on Wii U because the main course of Pokemon was always on portable systems. Ten years later, how far we've come, they're, they're one and the same. And the, the Wii U was a weird, weird step towards that. But uh, uh, almost happened. Pokemon Rumble, you tell us what you think. Uh, Jesus Christ, don't think I haven't seen the billion corrections that have been made at me uh, the last couple of weeks. Jesus Christ, have I been wrong a lot. Um, uh, apologies for that. But apologies are over because we got to get to, we got to tell you who lived and who died uh, during this period of 302010, including a birthday quiz you can play along with at home. Hopefully, I don't blurt out the answer in the beginning like I did last time because I was feeling know it all y. Um, <laughs> But uh, with that out of the way, patreon.com slash laser time is how you can support us. Uh, could use your help. Uh, some real recent equipment failures, a dental bill on my behalf. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We work hard to make the show and it, it, it doesn't happen out of nowhere. A bunch of people spend it a bunch of time. So, you know, if you feel you got the extra five bucks, if you're doing well with the cost of living increases in your wages, because I don't got those. Of <laughs> patreon.com slash laser time and my toilet's running. I, you know what really grinds my gear? I learned how to fix toilets in my dorm room. It's a simple apparatus. And then you get a toilet with all these buttons and doohickeys like, you motherfuckers, you're making this hundreds of dollars to fix. The, <laughs> the simple way was easier. My toilet's running right now. It's annoying the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> patreon.com slash laser time. <laughs> I'm plugging my toilet, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, Video Game Apocalypse, hosted by Mr. Diana Goodman and uh, Maddie Allen, uh, is this week. Last week, I got my hand on a soundboard again, so if you had been missing me being annoying and uh, shitting all over the format, Michael works much harder to maintain. Uh, yeah, that last week's your show for you. This time, Matt's gone, so we can talk all the shit we want about him 
because uh, as we talk, we regale you with what happened at Gamescom and the the what is it the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre game and the wrestling RPG WrestleQuest. Can't wait to talk about that. Um, hmm. In addition to, I think I'll cut this if we're not doing it. Uh, the voice of Mario has retired. I say in air quotes. We'll talk more about that there, and we might be going into his non his non Mario performances or. Mario without Martinet, uh, what he sounded like before 1991 to now, and before Chris Pratt. Uh, anyway, Diana, where can folks find you at? They can find me again for now. We'll see at Listening Nerd on the Twitter. That's... I've decided I'm not calling it that. No, uh, just like the OC, we don't call it that. It's kind of a variable that's supposed to be replaced with something eventually. Exactly. Do you know how many people would literally murder their own mothers mm-hmm. for that kind of brand recognition? Yeah. Anyway. They didn't, fi- they didn't oh, factor in a bored what? billionaire. <laughs> yeah, they didn't factor that in at all. Listen, nerd. L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D or follow the show at 302010podcast. It's 302010podcast. Coming up next week, uh, Vin Diesel is going back to his first franchise his breakout role i think we could say uh macaulay culkin is going to be the king of the club kids okay juliette lewis is going to go on a kill crazy rampage not that one the other (laughs) one oh man not the not the tarantino one Oh, he hates not that the movie. Tarantino one. We accidentally have two movies with basically the same title. We have a movie the making of is much more interesting than the movie itself. I apologize to you guys if you watch it. It's directed by David Lynch's daughter. Ooh. And then, more importantly, in internet history, we have two hit songs. We will find out what the fox says. <sighs> and Petra, 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 Mushroom, Mushroom, Petra, 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 Petra. Jesus, I'm old. I, I know. It, it's, it's two kids' songs about animals that adults couldn't stop, couldn't Could stop not. sharing. Yeah. Oh my. And God. if that wasn't enough, it's not. The... Oh, do you have more? No. Okay, I do. <laughs> Next week, we're going to see the bad Sonic cartoon make its debut. Oh. That's right. At me, listeners. I'm sure they will. They're Sonic fans. Yeah. <laughs> Futurama is going to end. Is dead. Again. Forever. <laughs> Time. Forever. <laughs> Forever. Not coming back. Couldn't happen. Uh, and the beginning of five fabulous weeks of the Chevy Chase oof, show. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Uh, it can't fail. It couldn't fail. Can't fail. What are you talking about? No, it's a great idea. Mm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have way too much to say about that. Okay. Diana, who who be, who be dead? Oof. Oh, we lost some good ones. I'm going to go backwards in time this week because... I don't think you guys have heard this the story that I'm going to get to. So in 2013 is when we lost Seamus Heaney, 74, Pulitzer Prize winning poet, and David oh. Frost, also 74, who TV producer, TV presenter, Frost Nixon. Oh, not the poet. Got it. No. Seamus Heaney is the poet. I was thinking, 
Robert Frost. I'll keep keep going. Oh, Rob. <laughs> oh, I see how you made that connection. Okay. Uh, then in 2003, we lost the toughest tiny man in the world. We stand a short king. Charles Bronson, who is 81. Ugh. I mean, come on, Magnificent Seven, Great Escape, Dirty Dozen. Then the movie I kept. The West. If you know 70s movies, I really embarrass myself by mispronouncing Mr. Majestic. That is the story of the watermelon man who goes against the mafia. Good Charles Bronson movie. <laughs> 10 to Midnight, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West. Uh, oh, so, so good. A and very then unlikely movie star. Very unlikely. He's got a little pug face. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, Death Wish. People know. Death Wish. You know, don't watch Death movie, Wish. But no, don't watch. Don't do that. Anyway. But then in 1993, we lost Dorian Corey, who was 56. Uh, she is best known from the documentary Paris is Burning about the you know, drag oh, wall I thought, scene. I thought Dorian Corey was a Nickelodeon show. No. Um, okay. The Sweet Life um, of Dorian Corey? <laughs> <laughs> no? Uh, no. No, but she, I, you know, she was, you know, a trans woman at a time. She's born in 1937, so she's a trans woman oh, at a time where it's like, you know, being a drag queen is kind of the only way she can express herself really, and unfortunately dies of complications from AIDS. Now, here's where things get interesting. Since so 1993, um, the documentary Paris is Burning had come out a couple of years earlier and she's sitting in her apartment, you know, talking about the drag scene and how she was like a showgirl and all this stuff. And um, part of the time I think she's like right in front of her closet. So when she passed away, her friends have to clean out her apartment and they find a dead body. Whoa. Like a literal skeleton in the closet. Yes. Wow. They find <laughs> The desiccated remains of a guy who disappeared 25 years earlier wow. in a garment bag. I, he had I, been shot in the head. Now, they don't know who shot him. Was it suicide? And she didn't want to call the cops because they're going to have problems. What Did he break in? Was he an abusive boyfriend? Who shot? No, there is no way to know. There is no right, way to know. Okay, but just gaming this out. After yes. like five years of a corpse in the closet. Yeah. Don't you ever just want to like do a little spring cleaning? Just go like, ah, oh, I need room for more sweaters. I, I, why don't I just put that in the car and get take rid of this corpse? <laughs> yeah. I'm not even using it anymore. Uh, like this doesn't bring me any joy. Or if you're not thinking, maybe she just wanted the skeleton. Maybe it was already decomposed. Maybe but, it did sparkle joy, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, if it was someone who, like, I mean, wronged you in a billion ways, it'd be kind of fun to keep their corpse from their I family. Mean, we, we talked about that, that African out loud? dictator who put his uh, rival underneath his outhouse oh. for 30 <laughs> years. I'll be yeah. mad about this forever. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. You live in New York. You can't, you know, you don't want to take a dead body in a cab. Nobody noticed. How do you... Okay. How do you but how did no one notice right. the smell? This was in a large apartment building. And I, I found a dead rat on the sidewalk the other day. And luckily, I was walking the dog and I had poop bags. I could, and being even slightly near it, oh, it, it freaked. Okay, oh. when was Febreze invented? Because every day, <laughs> she just buys a bottle of Febreze, sprays it that way, <laughs> empties it every day for a year? Wow. I Yeah. Oh, it's it's one of those great, <laughs> great mysteries. I, also, I love the idea of like, fuck it. If people find it after I'm dead, what yeah. do I care? I'm you officially dead. got away with murder. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Or maybe it wasn't. 
I mean, potential. murder. Come on. I'm not. If you're a friend of mine and you ask me, can you store this dead body in your closet for decades? No, no, friend. I will not. Mm. I mean, maybe it was suicide and she thought that she would get in trouble. Like, I can't prove it's suicide. So, you know. And that's why you always leave a note. Yeah, it's the late 60s. The cops are not treating gay and trans people well. Like, I don't, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So, R.I.P. Dorian Corey, you could keep a secret, girl. <laughs> okay. And with that. Okay, with the birthday or the death out of the way, it's life. It's time for the birthday quiz. We are going to be talking about the right honorable the lord blank cbe frsa is that, is that like a union can I, abbreviation can i can i make it can i make an early guess i guess so christopher guest no thank you damn God. oh i thought i had you thought i had you so, he, he was in the house of lords he was royalty <laughs> If they had not died in 2014, they would be turning 100 years old. Born August 29th, 1923 in Cambridge, eldest of three sons. In September 1939, his father, principal of the University College in uh, Leicester, took in two, how do you say it? Lester. It's spelled like it should be Leicester, but it's Lester. In Lester, took in two German Jewish refugees uh, and were later adopted by the family after their parents had been killed. Oscar Schindler. Or... No. Oh, it was too few. Oh, good You're right. For them. He attended uh, college, but his film career began in 1942 in an uncredited role in the Noel Coward film In Which We Serve. Oh, good movie. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, unfair to <laughs> Diana. But no, mm. If mm. I say the films he has been in, I think you will mm. instantly guess it. So instead, mm. I'm going to say the films he directed. Hmm. Not primarily known as a director. Okay. 1972's Young Winston... A Bridge Too Far. Oh. A oh, Chords oh, Line. Oh, uh, David Attenborough. No, Richard Attenborough. The other one. Richard Attenborough. I was going to say the, the Jurassic Lord Park guy. Attenborough. Mm. Yes. Uh, corrected, directed also Cry Freedom, Chaplin, and uh, films he's been an actor in include Jurassic Park, uh, The Great Escape, Dr. Doolittle, and Miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. And That's the, a tough call. Which he was better known for, because he's very successful at both. I can tell you what he he'll be better better known for now. In the yeah, current now. year, he is a hundred percent known as the founder of Jurassic Park. Hammond. Yeah. Um, Not yes. directing Gandhi. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what have What have you done for me lately? Wow. And the the news oh, I no, skipped that of saying the, uh, Lost World is in oh. pre production this oh, week. Wow. Begins pre production. That's fast. So, yep. shit. So he would be a hundred. His brother, knock on wood, David, is still with us. Um, oh my God, have I? Did I grow up on David Attenborough yeah. nature documentaries? I love that guy. 
he has uh, got he such a great voice it. he needs so, to make it past 100 he really really does i love him i do not approve of using ai technology to copy actors likeness or voices without their consent mm -hmm. but some mad genius has copied that man's voice to read warhammer 40k lore wow <laughs> wow and it is a thing of great beauty wow 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 all oh, right man I'm trying to think which which Richard Attenborough movie I want to recommend. I, you know what I think? I mean, Great Escape is like everyone should so have good. watched Great Escape. And, and it's got Brighton. Charles Brunson. It's got Brunson. Uh, Brighton Rock is kind of fun because he plays like this gangster, and mm. you're like, but he's so young, he has like baby fat, and because he's like 25 or so, and you're like, uh, you're kind of scaring me, but also I kind of want to pinch you and say you're cute. Mm. Oh. I can't believe you grow up to make Jurassic Park. You know what uh, play he appeared in that is still running today? Was he in the Mousetrap? He was in the Mousetrap oh. in 1952. I was gonna oh say. My God. He, he originated the role of Detective what? Sergeant Trotter. Damn. So a play that is still running today, he was the first person to play one of those roles. I did not know that. I did not know he was it, the original cast of the Mousetrap. Wow. I've Holy never shit. been to London, but if I ever go, I'm 100% going to go Finally, one place JR hasn't been. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I kept thinking about it, and I kept not doing it, and I really, I, I feel bad. I should I should have just, screw it. Let's go. Come on. Let's be one of the, like, literally 8 million people that yeah. this play and it's run. Oh, yeah. That's Jeez. why there has never been a film version of that, because the play has to close first. Wow. Really? That's in the contract, contract, I believe, <laughs> I believe signed by Agatha Christie herself. Wow. That's how old that shit is. Uh, I'm going to sign this. I was born in the 19th century. Surely this <laughs> won't still be in effect in the 21st century. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, happy birthday, Richard Attenborough. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Yeah. We got to close it down. Applesauce. I'm kidding. It says applause by Lady Gaga. It, what? Can't get yeah. my Hank Kingsley on for a second? No one's ever going to look at me like I'm an idiot? Come on. we got to yeah. hear Larry Sanders uh, references was, in a row. Uh, that was the other performance at the, at the VMAs. It was. I might as well go with that. The one widely overshadowed. But applause by Lady Gaga, which was performed at the 2013 VMAs. We'll take you out with the studio version. Patreon.com slash Time. Tell everyone about the show. We'll see you next week. The applause, applause.